Hello, and welcome to Kefefe Break live on Unsafe Space. I haven't done the intro in a while, so I'm going to do it in the style of one of those morning zoo radio channels. Up next, we've got Carter Laren joining. Carter, today is, what is today? Today is Friday, May 7th. <laughs> Come Beverly up next added me. Ah. <laughs> I was an incorporeal voice for a while. Beverly put me on screen. Damn oh, it. good. There you are. Coming up live on the hour. I don't know. Something like that. Yeah, Welcome. I don't like those shows. Me either. I hate them. But I also just can't reproduce them. I don't even. Yeah. There's like a zaniness that, well, I, I'm saying I don't like them, but there is, I do have to re have respect for someone who can be like spontaneously zany in a way that I can't recreate at all. There's something yeah. weird about it that uh, I don't like, but I guess does take talent of some kind. I don't know. It does. They all, they all speak with that voice. It's like that guy that does the New Year's, used to do the New Year's Eve shows. I can't remember his name. You know, Dick uh, Clark. Dick Clark. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like that. Anyway. Well, Carrie, I'm very excited about the ball <laughs> dropping later tonight. What about you? <laughs> I don't know if that's how he did it, but that's how it's I was. Sort of All like right. that, yeah. <laughs> um, we do have some announcements. We'll do them in the style. I'm kidding. We have book club coming up on Sunday. You have to help, help me with the date because I don't have my calendar. I'm in an undisclosed It's uh, May 30th. May 30th. Jordan Peterson, Beyond Order. And if you haven't joined us for book club before, you're always welcome to come. It's free. You can join us on camera with, with everyone who chooses to be on camera discussing it, or you can just be in the chat. You can go to unsafespace.com and visit the book club page for more info. And uh, we have a retreat oh, coming no, no, up. I, you wanted to do all the things, so I'm, I'm, I'm fine. Oh, no, I just wanted to do the date and stuff. I haven't done that in a long time. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, we have a retreat coming up in August. And if you would like more info, you can go to unsafespace.com and the retreat page. We're doing it in Texas at a fancy ranch. We do have a lot of day passes left. Most of the activities will be happening that Saturday, and there's a lot of day passes left. So especially if you're local, I think it's a, a great deal. If you're not local, you can still come in. You just have to find your own lodging because we're sold out of rooms. But um, Saturday day passes for retreat. And we also have merchandise. If you would like to visit our shop, it's unsafespace.com. Go to the shop. If you'd like to support us, there's a donate page at unsafespace.com. And that will give you a lot of options for doing so. And if you donate at the $25 level or above, you get one of our fancy mugs that looks like a grenade. And you also get invitations to the speakeasy, which is where we just hang out. We've been trying this. We've done two of them where we hang out once a month. We did three. We've done three. <clears throat> We've done three of them. I don't know. <laughs> How are you, Carter? <laughs> I'm fine. Uh, also, we do have a library page if you don't want to be on YouTube. But as a reminder, the best way to like find videos is always on safespace.com because it will always be there. Uh, even if the overlords kick us off of other platforms, so yes. Um, oh, hello. There's I, think a lot that, of I can't think chat. of any other announcements. Oh, wait. The next book after uh, the Jordan Peterson Beyond Order book is Catch Twenty Two by Joseph Heller. So, if I know some people want to start um, books like more than a month in advance, so if you're wanting to read that one, you can go ahead and start that one. Cool. I'm excited for that one. All right. So we, we, bring, have some, we have some, yeah, bring in? it's casual yeah. Friday again. We've got mystery Chris. 
Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm good. Good. Thanks for having me. How are you guys doing? I'm good. Oh, and we also have Clifton Duncan. Hello there. Can you hear me? I can. You're too dapper for this show, sir. <laughs> this, is, this is this just says casual Friday, man. This is me casual. You gotta you gotta this you gotta is... blow up. Clifton, can I I'm just sorry, say this is too much. <laughs> first, I love your hat. And secondly, look at your professional mic. I love it. I love your new setup. And his desk is clean. He's a show off. Look at him. My desk is clean. I'm well put together. All the, all, I, the, all the trash is conveniently out of view, so it's not uh, it's not that nice. bad. And also, this is my uh, this is my friend, Mystery Chris, who chooses to remain anonymous. But I will say, probably I, didn't, I, didn't, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think about this. We always get comments about how sexy Mystery Chris's voice is, but I think he's you're going to give him a run for his money today. It's not a it's not a competition. Okay, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're taking over the show. Uh, yeah. By all means, the hey, whatever works. Oh. <laughs> Maybe people need to talk about uh, freedom and liberty in a sexier voice. So let's try that. Uh, yeah, make it more appealing. Clifton, yeah. Clifton, are you doing? You're doing more videos on your channel now, aren't you? Yeah, right now I'm. Um, I'm mainly uploading performance content on my uh, on my IGTV and my YouTube. Um, so I want to I want to start there, maybe maybe grow some more from there, and see where that uh, see where that goes. I might do some um, political commentary or socio political commentary, but probably not on YouTube because uh, it's just not uh, an ideal platform for that anymore. But yeah, we'll see, we'll see. So yeah. where can people find you? Where your YouTube channel and your Twitter? Right. So my my YouTube is uh, just my first and last name is Clifton Duncan. Uh, my Twitter is at Clifton A Duncan, and my Instagram is Clifton Duncan Online. So come out, find me, uh, drop me a message, and uh, support <laughs> support artists who actually speak their mind because that's a dangerous thing nowadays. For some reason, uh, we can't allow artists to be controversial these days. I thought it was uh, that used to be a good thing, but now um, now it's not. Do you find it easier to be to do social uh, socio political commentary on Twitter because you do a lot of it there? Yeah, well, it's sort of. Um, I guess it kind of happened organically, you know. You know, after we met, uh, especially, and you know, I just was like, you know, I had an anonymous account, and then I was like, you know, forget this, man. I'm just going to say whatever I, I think, and uh, you know, it's one of the ironies of my life, which just, it, which my life doesn't make sense at all. But uh, out of all the things that I've done as an actor, the, the, the most, my biggest accomplishment is starting a Twitter account. And, um, <laughs> you, you know, but that, so I, I figured that I would just save that medium for that kind of commentary. It seems to cater to, to my strengths in that way. And then when I do something that's more artistic, I can, um, yeah, I can blast it out on that platform because that's where I have uh, the most followers. But um, as far as the other platforms that I'm on, I would rather focus more on um, on entertainment content than than on the uh, the, the spicy uh, political rhetoric. Yeah. yeah. Well, I have speaking uh, of spicy political uh, rhetoric. Can I? Sorry, I just was no. and and actors. Uh, I was asking, I was going to ask uh, Mystery Chris if he heard about, there's this rumor that Gina Carano is being invited back to Disney. Did you, do you have any inside info or <laughs> No inside info, but yeah, I've heard that rumor. It's been circulating and I, I don't really put much into it, but I could be wrong, okay. but I, I just, I, I don't see that happening. No. 
Well, they did it with James Gunn, right? They canceled James Gunn and then brought him back. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm wondering if the new corporate strategy is overreact. The mob is temporarily satiated. They move on to the next shiny object, forget what they were angry about, and then quietly hire the person back. Like, nothing. Yeah, it depends on what they, I guess, fired off. I mean, James Gunn was fired off for the, you know, inappropriate tweets or jokes about stuff oh, I can't see. I know, I know. It was much worse <laughs> yeah, than beep bop yeah, poop or whatever it was. That yeah, 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 yeah. So, different crowd that was going after each of them. So, I, I, I still think that, you know, certain social justice folks still have a great deal of swing in Hollywood. So, fair yeah. enough. Fair enough. Clifton, is there any, uh, like, from your perspective, is there any change in the status of being a non-woke actor? You know, I haven't, um, I haven't gotten any backlash um, as of yet. Um, I'm, I'm sure. I mean, I don't want to say anything right now. I'm sure that will change very soon. But um, you know, auditions seem to be picking up. And uh, you know, I actually had a phone call with my manager a couple of weeks ago. You know, and I. I after I'd sent her an email, because you know I was kind of down and and feeling a lot of anxiety about many things, uh, none, uh, um, the least of which is the fact that uh, you know every time I hit uh, the the tweet uh, or whatever you know the button is, or as Dion Warwick says, quote, um, I, <laughs> you know I just I have a little bit of like you know how is this gonna you know uh, um, affect my my career prospects and how is this gonna impact my life. But, uh, you know, I, I communicated to my manager, I said, you know, I, I just don't feel like I really belong in the industry anymore, to be honest with you, you know, and um, I said, if you don't, I said, I've become very, very outspoken recently, and I've started to build this weird kind of um, following. And um, if you don't want to work with me anymore, then I understand. Uh, but, you know, she, to her credit, she said, uh, you know, I'm just worried about you and, and, and how you're doing. So, you know, do what you got to do and um, just keep tabs. And, um, you know, she, she she keeps sliding some appointments and auditions my way. And uh, uh, despite all of that, so either either nobody in the industry has discovered my Twitter account yet or I'm not, <laughs> I'm not seeing uh, not seeing any kind of backlash. But, you know, like I said before, I do just the way that the things are trending in, um, in the industry. I mean, it's, they're diving full on into anti-racism and, um, you know, like, like I said, it, it's just, I have to ask myself if I want to continue to um, spend time being in rooms with, uh, with these individuals who otherwise, you know, they're, they're super gifted, super talented. They can be very smart and interesting and charismatic in, in, in many ways, but you know, on these kinds of issues, especially since the uh, the, the previous president, who shall not be named, uh, I think, you know, he, he kind of broke people. And, um, <laughs> I, you know, I it's I, I feel like I'm sort of I mean, you can sense my uneasiness and my my hesitancy right now. I just sort of feel like I'm at a crossroads. I don't know what the what the future uh, holds for me. So, you know, I don't know. We'll see. Are you making connections with non-woke actors? Because I know last time we talked, you said you were wanting people to reach out to you on Twitter. And are you have you had a good feedback from people? Are you meeting other people? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, I hear back, I hear from some actors um, and also people in other, you know, in other arts industries who feel the same way. You know, the, the overarching uh, theme is that, you know, people feel these things, but they're afraid to, to say anything about it. They're afraid to speak out loud because they're afraid of, you know, not only being blacklisted or, or losing out on jobs, but, you know, they just, they just don't want to be branded as bad people, which I think is sort of part of the problem to be, to be, uh, to be honest with you. And, you know, even within the past couple of days, you know, they, they announced that, uh, that Broadway is going to reopen. And aside from the fact that Andrew Cuomo, uh, the best governor in the United States of America in history. <laughs> um, hey, had, it's not just in the U S in the world, in world history, in the world, in, in the universe, yes. in the universe, in the right. multiverse. Um, you know, despite the fact that he's announced that uh, Broadway can can reopen um, to full capacity, you know, he, he's despite the fact that he's terrorized New Yorkers so much that they don't even want to come to the shows now, um, despite the fact that actors who have been forced out of work for a, a year and a half yeah. uh, being afraid to to uh, perform for audiences who have not gotten a shot on top of all of that. You know, I'm seeing posts from these stars who are saying, you know, white, who are saying these platitudes about like, you know, we have to, you know, do more to be more inclusive and to increase diversity. And, you know, and I, I want to I'm a part of the struggle, yada, yada, yada. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, I, I don't even know if you really believe this. Hey, and I also don't know if you really understand that the end goal is not so that people can feel as if they're on par with you. They want they, they want revenge and they're not going to stop. <laughs> Um, so, you know, I, I, I don't know, man, it's just that uh, where, where the culture is, is trending right now. It just seems very much like people are, are honest, you know, sort of the way that, that Scott Adams was like, well, I'm, I think he said at one point that, uh, that he is, uh, uh, is, that he supported Hillary Clinton for his own personal safety. I feel like people are, are sort of spouting some of this quote end quote progressive rhetoric for their own safety and i don't i'm not sure if it's um, if i believe it yeah i wow. saw orlando bloom legolas from the lord of the rings he issued some statement recently that was just it just looked copied and pasted from you know the woke handbook it, it didn't seem like a lot of times when I see the famous actors repeating some of this stuff, I mean, you can tell once you're not in it anymore. Anyway, I don't know if I would have been able to tell when I was in it, but now on the outside looking at it, it you can tell that it's not something they've thought about deeply. Like no. you said, it's something they're saying to save themselves. Yeah. The thing about Scott Adams though, that was nice was I, he didn't just do that. He said why he was doing it, and it was it <laughs> undermined it like in a in a great way, right? It was like, very, oh, I'm it was supporting Hillary because I don't want to be lynched. Like, okay, well, maybe he didn't say that. That would have been more problematic. Whatever. Yeah, I'm supporting Hillary because I'm afraid for my own safety. I live in the Bay Area. Uh, I, I think that actually angered them more, right? Because they they, yeah. they didn't let up and say, oh, okay, you said the right thing. They were like, hey, you just called us bullies. Um, yeah, so I, I, uh, unless you guys want to, I don't want to cut anyone off who wants to continue talking about woke entertainment, but, uh, 
Well, no one else is talking about it. So let's Uh, can I say one thing? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so uh, last night I kind of went down a rabbit hole where I became radical. No, um, I was watching a bunch of <laughs> old nostalgia uh, videos from like Nickelodeon in the 1990s. And I was watching like some double dare stuff. And Mark Summers, the host of it, I started thinking like, what is Mark Summers doing these days? So I Googled him and I was like, uh, should I click on his Twitter or not? I was like, no, no. But on YouTube, I saw a video. He apparently did a TED X talk like five years ago where he was talking about political correctness ruining comedy and entertainment and I was like oh is, is Mark is Mark based is he a little based and so I said oh wait what the hell I'm gonna check out his Twitter so I go to his Twitter and this is like anti-Trump stuff <laughs> I go all through his Twitter feed I'm like damn man like is, does he I could actually genuinely believe that he does have like this kind of seething hatred for for Trump but Kind of like what Clifton was saying, like maybe he could be playing it up somewhat, so mobs aren't coming after him. I don't know, but it was it was weird. Yeah, although there's the California syndrome, right, where people like they vote for all the things that destroy their state, move somewhere else, and vote vote for them again because they don't understand that what they did was the cause of what they hated. So he's like, there's that kind of syndrome. So I, he might just be like. Yeah, cancel culture is horrible, and all this stuff is horrible. Also, you should be canceled because you like Trump. Like he can right. totally have both. He can that cognitive dissonance is not uncommon. Yeah. So, uh, it's a new evolved human skill, apparently. Well, he's dead to me now. So, <laughs> I, see. I don't know, man. I, I love. I always got love for Mark Summers and, and Nickelodeon that, that whole that whole era, but. Um, you know, I mean, this might be a nice kind of segue because it just it just seems that um, I guess what's the term ideological possession, you know, where yeah. where, where we, people are they're so committed. And I was thinking about this earlier today, as a matter of fact. And, you know, I have I, I, I find that I, I I no longer find the whole kind of red, blue, uh, Democrat, Republican, liberal, conservative um, um I, I guess game appealing anymore. Yes. But but what I see now, especially in the wake of um, of the <laughs> pandemic, is that people are, there's a lot there's a lot of people who have been who've been awakened, shall we say, um, to the corruption and the press and the corruption within the Democratic Party. You know, these are these are lifelong Democrats, people who consider themselves to be progressive. They consider themselves to be liberal, left leaning. And yet they're so committed to the idea of of Democrats and leftists being good people. There was a, a colleague of mine just today who tweeted, um, you know, he was urging his progressive friends to just say, you to summarize it, you know, I mean, I think it was something about masks, but, you know, but he was like, you know, we, we have to um, be better than this. You know, we call ourselves progressive because unlike the right wing, uh, you know, we take into consideration different points of view and da, 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 da. I'm thinking to myself, that's exactly not the case. And, but it is why you call yourself progressive because you don't, you, yeah. you haven't really taken other uh, points of view. Um, you know, and even even the label itself, you know, I mean, you could say, for instance, that uh, people who call themselves progressive are currently uh, uh, 
pushing forth ideas and ideals about race, uh, for example, that are extremely regressive. And so fighting against those could make you actually progressive, but that's beside the point. They, but they're so married to this idea of themselves as, as, as the good and everyone yes. else, you know, on the quote unquote right, whatever that even means, I'm not sure what that means anymore, or, or people who consider themselves Republicans to be evil. They, um, it, it's, they, they can't they can't unmoor themselves from from that idea. So in a way, they're still going back to what you were saying, Carter. It's just that you know when they move to these different areas, I think they still hold in themselves this idea that well, anything that is not you know Democrat or blue is is bad. And I think that's that's you know it's this possession that's part of the problem. Right. They, I, and they have a, I, a caricature of the 1980s right wing as everyone right. who's not a Democrat. Right. right. They also. I, I, I want to speak to this because that that person that you mentioned, that friend, Clifton, that reminds me of myself when I first started waking up and, my, and began that journey out of social justice. And because I had all these thoughts about this is why I'm a liberal. This is why I'm a progressive, um, because we believe in this. Right. We believe in multiple points of view. We believe in free speech. And there's this weird cognitive dissonance where you can you can believe simultaneously believe that the progressives are about free speech and and letting people express themselves and and then see what's happening in the world and just you can see both of those things and not get it i don't i don't know how to explain it but that's how it was with me and so my first that essay i wrote about leaving the social justice cult i thought if I point out, if I appeal, I was really writing that for people that I thought of were like on my side in the cult with me sort of. And and I thought if I just, if I show them the hypocrisy and I say, and I appeal to our better nature and what you're saying, that idea that that they're, they're more to this idea of themselves as being good guys and the left as being good. If I say, we are not like this, are we? But, but then look at what's happening. I thought that that would, work in terms of waking a lot of people up but it didn't people still cling to that they still but cling to the thing <laughs> this is the, the big eye-opener for me which you're making me think about carrie is that it was the realization that reason doesn't work i mean it's the right way to like you need reason and it's the right way to it works for determining reality but it doesn't work for convincing people very well often it just doesn't work right and you know, one of the things that I always found odd about Ayn Rand was she she wrote an entire book basically about how reason didn't work. People make arguments and people didn't listen and the world fell apart despite the arguments, right? Um, and then I think she was kind of depressed that she wrote this book and no one got it. And it was like, well, yeah, because <laughs> like reason doesn't work. You like, yes, they're not going to listen to what you have to say because they are emotionally invested in whatever it is. And I just want to point something out, and I know I've said this before, but I, I think it's important. The left is very, very good at naming things. Progressivism has never been liberal in the classical sense. Progressivism was never about individual rights and liberalism, never. Progressivism was, it arose in the late 19th century and it was about uh, basically building an autocratic uh, quote, scientifically run state. It was about technocrats controlling everything and it was built about building autocracy. That's why you had uh, eugenicists. Yeah, a lot of the policies that progressives pushed were explicitly for eugenics. They had classes of people they didn't like that were undesirable. Often those were 
based on race, but not always. And they pushed their the the progressive policies that that now people tout as if they're because they care about the poor were originally introduced, not because they care about the poor, because they knew they didn't work and they wanted to get rid of them. So like minimum wage is a great example. They pushed a minimum wage because they didn't like that people of the wrong race were taking jobs away from people of the right race and they were doing it by working for less money. So they figured if we do a minimum wage, we'll get rid of them. Like those were the progressives. The progressives were never about liberalism. I get that the word has been used and now like people have been told and progressive sounds nice as a word, but progressive was never about individual rights. And I would <clears throat> I would piggyback on that and say not not only are they good at naming things, they're also good at renaming things and, and reframing yes. things because you know, it's even the idea of, and, and I used to think this way as well. You know, if if you think of yourself as a progressive, it means well, I'm I'm for progress or, or socialism. Yeah. Social that sounds friendly, doesn't it? Yeah. And uh, <laughs> social justice <laughs> sounds great, by the way. Social right? justice that is that that is the, the way to go. It's social and it's justicey. Like, yeah. how, can it, how can it be wrong? I mean, even I mean, even the slogan "Black Lives Matter." I mean, we we yeah. spoke about this before, but you know, I mean, how. And, and it's really a work of 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 genius sloganeering. You know how how could you ever oppose the the concept of Black Lives Mattering? It doesn't matter how nuanced you are when you try to say like, well, no, it's just the organization and and the motives of its founders and some aspects of its political movement. I think I, I have some issues with. No, it's just you. You hate black people. You think their lives don't matter. It's just this. It's uh, Th Thomas Sowell calls it their their verbal virtuosity. You know, they they these these people are are highly educated. You know, they they have these degrees. They're very good with language, and um, you know, and they're very skilled at making uh, arguments without arguments, is what he calls them, which I love. And but also, I mean, they they just take these names and they and they and they frame them. And you know, I mean, every time I see these people give speeches now, and it doesn't matter what what party they belong to. I mean, I listen for the language. Um, you know, as someone who enjoys language a great deal, and I'm just thinking to myself, you are you are just you are basically pissing in my mouth and telling me that it's raining. You're you're telling you're you're, you're <laughs> saying these things, but I can yes. tell that that what you're trying to do is not what you're saying it is because I I, I can see what the language is now, and uh, you know it's it's really disingenuous and it's really it can make you really cynical in a lot of ways. Did you, you all three vote for I, Obama? I yeah. did. Yes, you did. Because I felt that way about Obama's rhetoric. I thought it's beautiful piss, but it's still not rain. Um, <laughs> and like, I, I always felt that way about Obama. That's <laughs> a beautiful phrase. Beautiful phrase. I thought it was rain. I was like, rain on me, Obama. I was so excited. But <laughs> <laughs> you know, this going. <laughs> about Obama. Like, you know, so I'm, I mean, I guess maybe I've kind of just I've sort of destined to be in this space a little bit because I remember when I was, you know, I was 21 years old and I was farting around D.C. as a young actor just out of just out of undergrad. And I'm, you know, I'm sleeping on couches and sleeping in my uh, my 1998 Mercury Sable, which was nice and roomy. Um, the backseat was and the only station that came in uh, was C-SPAN. So I was I would listen to C-SPAN all the time, you know, and. You know, I'd, and I'd liked listening to the different people calling in, different interviews with politicians. And I remember listening to 
Barack Obama, who, you know, when he gave his keynote uh, speech back in 2004, I mean, my my teacher in, in government class, I was in high school at the time, the very next day she came in and she said, that man is going to be the next president of the United States. And, you know, and I remember listening to that speech and it's in, you know, at the time, you know, it's electrifying and, you know, it's such a, it, it was so powerful and it was just, it was sweeping. But then as I listened to him more and more on C-SPAN, I began to think, you know, he would he would be asked direct questions, and the more he spoke, I, I I felt like he you know he began to sound more and more like a politician. It was very circuitous. It wasn't really dealing with the substance of what he was asked. And so even when I voted for him, and look, when he was elected, I mean, I called my grandmother, who you know may she rest in peace, and you know we cried on the phone together. She was born in 1936. It was a magical moment. If you're in New York City. You know, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the people were screaming in the streets. People were on the subway celebrating. I mean, it was it was a, a, a an incredible night. But I was still tepid in my support for him because I said, you know, he sounds like a politician to me, and you know, he's just he's talking. And even throughout his presidency, you know, I I I felt like I I didn't really know what this guy believed in because he was so good at talking, but I couldn't really I I couldn't really gauge. You know, I couldn't really gauge who he was or what he was really about. And I think part of that is because, you know, he, he had that ability to talk. And even to this day, when I see him, I'm like, I'm like, oh, man, it's it's Barry. But I'm like, the, you know, the words coming out of your mouth, man, I'm, you know, they just it's too it's too slick. I mean, and even this is a total side note, but I even got mad at him. Da, 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 da. And then when he starts running for president, he takes on this weird kind of, you know, uh, uh, America. <laughs> You know, in my, my country, I'm like, you don't sound like that, dude. You don't sound like that. You're fake. You're a phony. So. <laughs> Did you know was, he was very, very deliberate. His hand movements, his word choice, his affectation, everything about Obama was was really deliberate. And I actually have a lot of respect for him as a sophist. Uh, I think he was he was excellent at that. I just hate his underlying. Beliefs. He had we. We, we met with, so when I was working in entertainment, uh, Margaret Cho and I, when, who I used to rep, we got to go to DC and go to this event with Obama for Asian American History Month. And afterwards we had dinner with Cal Penn, the actor who was working for Obama at the time. And he said that their speechwriters, some of his friends were his speechwriters, that they studied George W. Bush's speeches because they thought he was an excellent orator which blew my mind because I hated, <laughs> I hated W and I thought he was so dumb, but I think they were talking about in terms of cadence and maybe mannerisms, but they thought they said, if you actually go back and read his speeches and take out your prejudice of being on the left and not liking him. Right. He, they said out of all the speech writers that had come before that they studied, that was one of the ones they turned to the most. Mm. Isn't that amazing? It's interesting because I he I, I feel like he definitely needed to be able to use rhetoric because I don't think he was the sharpest tool in the shed. So maybe he really Not needed really. good speech writers. You mean W? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you ever Obama, see that? I think it's smart. Yeah. yeah. Did you ever see that uh, time Obama was giving a speech somewhere and the teleprompters failed? 
and he didn't know what to say. It was one of the most awkward things I've ever seen. He's like, oh, uh, you know, and, uh, and he, it, it was, it was like one of those Saturday Night Live <laughs> skits where like, there was one from the nineties where uh, it was like a morning show and a teleprompters fail and they all start losing it and it becomes like tribal where they start killing each other. <laughs> it, was, it was like, he had no idea during the headlights. It was the most awkward thing I've ever seen. You know what? You guys are making me think of uh, contrasting Obama with Trump. I mean, um, Trump's Trump's speech is the exact opposite. It's uh, genuine, spontaneous, which makes it, you know, garbled a little bit and not clear. Uh, and I, it he comes across as someone who's just being himself. Now, you might not like himself. I, I get that. A lot of people don't like him. But he's kind of the opposite of Obama, where every time Obama was speaking, it was like, wow, this is an excellent presentation. He's a he was a great president actor. He could be on West Wing. Um, but I don't know who he really is. And Trump, it's like, oh, I see who he really is. And, you know, half the country hated it. But you got the sense that you're getting you see what you, you see what you're getting. What you well, see is what you no, get, I guess. Well, that's that's what has been said about him a lot. You know, it's just that you know, for, for better and for worse, you know, he is what he is. And I remember noticing it so clearly during the uh, the debates he had with Hillary. You know, I, I said, I said, exa I had the, the exact same thought that you did about Obama. I said, Hillary is such; she is a polished, perfectly rehearsed, um, experienced, seasoned politician. Meanwhile, you know, especially during the third debate, I think it was. Meanwhile, Trump is stalking around the stage, you know, just like a wild animal. He had this animalistic kind of energy where he's just like, you know, I'll just say this. And, you know, yeah, I'm, yeah, you go first. I'm a gentleman, you know, you, because, you'd be, because you'd be in jail. And we're like, yo, who is this dude? And it, and it gave off this, this thing where it's like, you know, he's just he's shooting from the hip. And it's and it's kind of funny because he, he was often denigrated as you know, well, he's just a TV show host and he don't, but I said, you know, it's actually not bad in, in retrospect to have a president who knows how to put on a show and know and enjoys being in front of the cameras, you know, because between that and what, you know, his narcissism and his brashness and his pugilism, is that the word I think I'm looking for? I think Boxing? I said it wrong. You know, just his pugnaciousness, yeah. whatever. Um, yeah. You know, it, it just it it made this sort of weird alchemical combination where he's just you just didn't know what he was going to say or what he was going to do, and yeah. you know, and and in contrast to someone who was as studied as as Hillary was, or even other the other Republican candidates like uh, like Ted Cruz, you know, who's more you know more composed. He just there was just this extra kind of what what is what is going on and what's about to happen with him which i thought you know i'm just reflecting what you're what you were saying carter about um about him and, and i think because he he was so authentic in in his own way um that's what made him so polarizing you know it's just you take take me or leave me whatever i'm here to do a job <laughs> you can like me or not like me and you know and they kept trying to shame him i'm thinking to myself this guy's been in a public figure for over four decades everything that's been said about him you know has already been said you can't shame a man who lacks shame <laughs> right, you know, right. It's just, Shame it's, is something he's got to bring to the table himself, and he doesn't. Um, he doesn't. I'm wondering if after Obama and with Hillary as the contrast, maybe that was just the appeal. Was that like, at, like, because I th I really think a lot of people just hated Hillary because they she was she was trying to be Obama, like you're saying, with all the affectations and the very controlled nature and, and being evasive in her language, but. 
she didn't have the one thing Obama did, which was likability. Yes. Like, Obama did all that, and you liked him, Very kind charming. of. I mean, even if you hated what he was saying, he was charming. She did all that, and you were like, I, I just want to well, run this could, woman over with a car. You could see through it. I still have that. So, first of all, did all of you vote for Obama twice? Because I did. Or did you change your opinion? I know. No, I sat out in uh, in 2012. Especially like after I, I remember a debate with with, with uh, Mitt Romney, and I was like, these dudes sound the same to me. <laughs> it's like I, wow. I, I was done with Obama by that point, you know. What yeah. about you, Mister Chris? You didn't vote for him the second time, right? No, I didn't. Yeah, because after uh, I guess a year or two after he got elected the first time, it's when he started. Uh, I think he evaded uh, Libya, overthrew Libyan government, and then of course the Syrian war, arming Islamic extremists in the country. And then I was like, you know what? There's no difference between you and George W. Bush. It's the same foreign policy. It's just different rhetoric around it, just overthrowing other countries that pose a threat to Western uh, hegemony. Yeah, see, yeah. you were paying attention. And I, I think, I mean, sadly, embarrassingly, I was like the masses on the left who um, I paid attention to everything or thought I did anyway when W was president and I wrote letters and I protested and every little update in the news about, you know, try with them trying to sell us the war, um, CNN and the CIA. And, you know, I was so, I was so plugged in. And then as soon as Obama won, we celebrated and I just kind of checked out and I was only there for the surface level stuff, you know, the, the, uh, pictures of the dog and, you know, the memes of him and Biden being buddies and just, just, all the junk that doesn't mean anything, just the personality stuff. It was like a cult of personality. And I liked who he was. I liked his wife. And and like you, Clifton, I still sometimes I, I can look at him now and I can see him for that polished politician that you saw him for, Carter. I didn't see him that way then. I can see him for that now, but I still have he still evokes good feeling in me. Isn't that weird? Right. No, no, yeah. it's not. I feel the same thing because I'm, I'm like, you know, people talk about well, we, you know, we we love to hate so and so, but I, I hate to love him. It's the exact yeah. opposite. For me. Yes. You know, because I'm, I'm, I'm like, interesting. And and again, I think you know, and and I, I, despite my feelings about about him, you know, I, you just, the, the I, and I was in a bar in New York City the 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 night that he was announced, and you know, and like I said, I, you know, I called my grandmother. Everyone had erupted, you know, and it was it was a really big deal, and. And and every time I, I saw him, I was just like, you know, as a I hate to I hate to start sentences this way, but you know, as a black man, it's just like wow, you know, like wow. Um, and even still, you know, he, he's got that smile. I mean, he was like America's cool kind of urbane dad in, in a way. And he's got this beautiful family in, in in the White House, and I was just like, man, that's that's just really cool. But you know, at the same time, I was like, I just. I mean, you know, like like our mysterious friend said, you know, I'm like, dude, you're 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 literally destroying North Africa. <laughs> you're like, you're bombing people, and you're just you're doing all this stuff that's just that's that I can't stand behind, man. It's just it's 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 really it's it's tough for me. And then and then and then you know, just to to carry it further, I see the same things happening right now with Joe Biden, and it's yeah. so it it just it turns my stomach. I see it, and you know, there's all this sort of hagiography, hagi all these journalists on Twitter with their stupid opinions, talking about how you know sanity is restored again, and how it's great to have a responsible and 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 good oh, guy gosh. in the White House. And you see these <laughs> these picture, you know, these these you know uh, uh, these 
all this press coverage that is basically filleting Joe, and we're supposed to pretend as if he he's the same sort of dynamo that he was even you know ten or twelve years ago. And look at his dog, which is biting and defecating everywhere. You know, we're not supposed, we can't talk about that though. You know, but it's it's good old it's good old Joe. And it's funny because when he gave his um his speech the other the other day, um, you know, I I I think I had a way different experience of it because I think I I I enjoyed it more than anyone who watched it live because I had the privilege of going back afterwards and watching it at twice the speed. And so I but then when I when I when I slowed it down and watched it in real time, you know, I, I was just like, God, I mean, who yeah, this is just this is the worst crap <laughs> ever. What is this? But we're still supposed to believe that, like, you know, it's he's it's good old Joe and da da da. You know, I mean, I guess his branding is that you know he's he's a return to decency, and I guess he plays that role very well. But you know, my my concern and my fear is that similar to what was going on during the Obama years, you know, he, he's going to be so protected, you know, by partly by the Democrat brand, but also by this corrupt uh, uh, media establishment and media. and all these lackeys and the entertainment that he's going to get away with. He's going to be able to get away with even worse things than than Obama, or even worse than than uh, what Trump, you know, could have been accused of doing. Yeah. One of the things. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead, Chris. Oh, I was going to say to the point we were talking earlier about people not being convinced by reason and facts. I've been thinking about ways to try to get people in my family or my my larger friend circle who are still kind of blue pilled, who buy into everything that's presented as an issue of racism, tickling when it's coming, you know, talking about Trump and saying he's racist, all that. I've wanted to make the argument to them, or I've tried to make the argument to them, saying that let's let's assume that Trump is as racist as you believe he is. What specific of his policies have specifically hurt black people? Which is an answer that people can't really give me. And so I tried to bring up. Uh, I use. I, I bring up a hypothetical. I, I don't particularly believe Trump is racist. He's got problems, but I don't. I don't particularly think that. But I say if he is racist he can have policies that are good or okay. Someone like Barack Obama or George Bush, who I don't believe are are racist, can have policies that are bad. And so I bring up the uh, foreign policies of both, uh, all three of those men. And I ask them, which one of these men has killed more brown and black people in their foreign policy wise? And of course, it's going to be Bush and, and and Obama, but that argument still hasn't quite won over a lot of people. So what I've been thinking about doing, and maybe this makes me weird, but if I have a <laughs> on my More phone, mysterious. yes. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but if I get like some uh, uh, collections of photos of people who have been killed by the bombs, by the guns we've given to extremists, by the sanctions we put on Yemen and other countries in the Middle East, maybe that will get through to them. Because me merely just spatting out different statistics about all the people who've been hurt from the wars and sanctions doesn't seem to to get the emotions of people. It doesn't engage them. It doesn't really change their mind, even though it should. It's like we've lost something as Americans. We've lost the, the true empathy that you know we should have had. You shouldn't need to actually see 
photos of people being mangled by bombs in order to feel something. But unfortunately, this is where we're at. And so I'm saying, I think I need to show them the pictures of that since the media won't show them. The media is very smart because whenever the media wants people to take a certain position, they'll show kids being harmed or in danger. Kids in cages, that little boy who washed up on the shore when the migrants were going to, to Europe, which I think they, they, they posed the body of the kid. Uh, the little girl who was crying when, uh, I guess it was a border security uh, pulled over the family or something. And in Time Magazine, cut out Trump and put the little girl there. She's looking up to him crying. He's just a big bad guy. Like they, they know that that works. You know, kids in danger, that works, especially towards, sorry to sound sexy, but to a lot of women who have very strong nurturing qualities. I think that they don't like, and a lot of men too, of course, but it's, it's just something that you have to see visually in order to, to for a lot of people to feel that, that empathy, that emotion. And unfortunately, I think that's what I'm going to have to do. And I think other people should try to do something similar, show people the consequences of these policies and how they disproportionately hurt, you know, people in other countries. You, know. you have a point. They actually ban, the media bans images of, um, was it in France? In, in, in any of these like yes. radical Islamic the, the, terrorists? The one you're thinking of is France. Is yeah. France, and they they banned, and, and most of the legacy media said we won't show pictures of the dead, of, of the the carnage after this Islamic attack, um, and especially of children. But then they will show images of children when it fits a narrative that they want to mm. push. I've seen shortly that. after that was the dead boy on the beach, right? Yeah, mm. yeah. <clears throat> Can I clarify something I said before? <clears throat> I don't think people are incapable of being convinced by rational argument, but I think they need to be in a psychological state where they're willing to be convinced by rational argument. Um, and it's getting them to that state that's the problem. And I, I think there's a, I think one of the deep problems with the U.S. right now is we have done a really poor job of preparing people psychologically through childhood of learning how to put their emotions aside and be slaves to reason in the sense of like, I'm gonna go where it takes me, even if it doesn't feel good. And so instead what we do is part of the coddling that we do is, well, if you're triggered or upset by something, here are all the ways to uh, either tell people to stop, evade it, work around it, um, but confront it is never really the message that we give people, right? Um, my I, I don't think she'll be upset if I share this, but my, my daughter my daughter the other day was uh, upset by something. She was she was stressing out about homework stuff. And um, I was trying to give her uh, some advice and she was in the state where um, she couldn't really hear because she was too upset. You know how you get where you can be like, you can't oh, hear, yeah. you're too upset about her. Oh yeah. Right? Um, and uh, you know, her, her mom said, she can't hear you right now because she's in this state. And I said, yeah, I know, um, but I'm gonna try again. And the reason I'm gonna try again is what she needs to learn is to be able to pull herself out of that state and listen to reason. That's a skill. And that skill needs to be worked on. And if she never practices that skill, she'll never be able to do it. And I don't think that any of us can do it all the time, Carrie knows. Uh, I've, I've certainly get in states where I'm 
unable to listen to reason and and upset. I mean, we all do. But in general, it's a practiced skill and we don't practice it at all. And we don't, we don't teach our kids to do it. We don't teach it as a value. Instead, what we tell you is how you feel is the most important thing. And confronting, this is why they have terms like hate facts. Confronting things that are upsetting to you is not a requirement for being an adult. And if you've got a population like that, it really undermines the ability for reason to ever work, right? Well, that's why imagery is all, like, that's why all the, the stories and the emotionality on the imagery works so well and is so important. I think more important than it would be maybe, <clears throat> I don't know what it was like 100 or 200 years ago, but probably more important that it would have been in the past in a population that was more understanding of the fact that like my emotions aren't the thing that matter here what matters is the is the truth and and i gotta put my emotions aside and figure out the truth yeah i think just reflecting on what you were saying and, and springboarding off of that is that not only are we not and this is sort of greg lukianoff's point you know it's like we we're, we're not taught how to you know, leave these these states of mind behind, and you know we're we're not taught how to not catastrophize and yada yada yada. It's just, it's not only that we're not taught these things, but being in these states is actually uh, rewarded and exploited. You know, it, it, you, you're yes. you're virtuous if you're angry or you're upset about this particular issue, and then you you know you're on social media, which I feel like we're all being deranged by, and you watch the news, <clears throat> and these emotions are being exploited and even inflamed. And to the point, like you said, we can't see reason. And I think for me, that that just that encapsulates our our response to COVID in so many ways. You know, and, and it's ironic that we've been talking about how children are used as uh, we're, we're basically talking about how children are being are, are used and exploited or not exploited. You know, in order to put forth a message. But one of the one of the markers of this entire past year has been the the, the kind of complete abandonment. Of, of children and and I, it's sort of strange because I feel like even though I don't have children, I, I seem to be more empathetic. I mean, I was a kid, so I'm thinking to myself, how did, did all these adults just kind of skip over this part of their lives and they, they can't really empathize with, you know, what we're doing to children. And uh, it, it's it's just, it's very strange how, you know, the, the, the adults are in these emotional states and they're not listening to reason. And it's, and it's having such clear, uh, harms on children, which you don't have to be a rocket scientist to really predict or, or to suss out. But yet, if you bring these, these things up, they say, well, you're, you're a selfish granny killer. And I'm thinking to myself, yeah. that just, what are you talking about? That doesn't make, that doesn't make any sense at all. We have to, we, we, I mean, you know, I, I don't know how many times you can, you can read these stories about children, you know, about 13 year olds who are hanging themselves, you know, days before their 14th birthdays, <clears throat> you know, and, kids who are uh you know harming themselves and 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 suffering from depression before you say wait a minute you know maybe we're not taking the right path here maybe we can take a more comprehensive approach to all these things but even that does not even even that imagery or those stories even those don't really seem to work right now you know it's i don't i don't, I don't know how you square that circle no yeah yeah i um i shared speaking of kids and masks I shared an image, I think with all three of you, and this is from a school. And now I looked this up and I can't, I haven't found corroboration I, I, I yet. Found, it's on Dave Rubin's Facebook. Okay. So if we trust Dave Rubin as a source. I pretty then, much trust Dave Rubin which I, which I, as a source. Yeah, I was gonna say, which I basically do. 
Um, by the way, just to really quickly mention something, uh, based on before we just move on. Yeah. Uh, in Japan, this is just a study in Japan, but um, increase in suicide following an initial decline during COVID-19 pandemic in Japan. Uh, monthly suicide rates decline before this monthly suicide rates declined by 14 percent at the beginning but they were declining before covid um and then they increased by 16 percent during the second half of 2020 with a 37 percent increase in females and children and adolescents was 49 percent like towards the end of the year and that's just the one i i googled in two seconds i know we've seen other studies about the u.s and the rise in suicide rates and depression of of kids Las, and Carrie, you've shared some of them i don't know if you remember Las off Vegas. The top of your head. yeah i do there are almost every major city you look at with lockdowns um i'm not calling this a COVID thing i don't think it's a COVID thing i think it's a lockdown thing and las sure, vegas sure. in fact there's a new york times article surge of student suicides pushes Las Vegas schools to reopen. So this was in January 2021 that Las Vegas finally opened their schools and they said it was because their suicide rates among kids had increased. Um, I believe that one. Let's see if I can find the rate, but it, I, I can't find it offhand in this article, but it was really high. And it's, this is among, it's not just among teenagers, it's among children. Like you said, right. you know, right. Some of them are like nine. Like, right. I can't believe there's stats on nine year olds who kill themselves because I can't even fathom that happening. Um, yeah. But there are. Yeah. yeah. All right. Let me let me pull up the article that you sent. I assume you want me to do that. For me. Well, yeah. So this was just a post I saw. I didn't know. <laughs> I didn't know that Ruben had shared it. This was in a I'm in a, a group which I encourage people um, in this in the States, I'm sure they're outside the States too. But if you are still on Facebook, there's a lot of unmasked groups that are cropping up for different cities. So I'm in unmasked Texas, unmasked Austin. And this one was posted there. Do you want to, this is from a school called McKeel Academy of Technology. And for anybody who's just listening and not watching, it says shoe and sock drive. So they're celebrating this shoe and sock drive that they had at school. They said, thank you so much for all the donations to the shoe and sock drive for Echo Ministries. In all, our history classes collected 34 shoes and 140 pairs of socks. What a blessing to our local community. Fifth period class won our class competition and will receive a 30-minute mask break tomorrow to celebrate. Fifth period took uh, second place and will have a 25-minute mask break, and second period took third place and will have a 20-minute mask break. If you still have donations, the school will be collecting them through the end of the week. Okay, so. <laughs> this is so outrageous. Oh, my God. No, you, have, you have to laugh because, I mean, it's just, that's so ridiculous, you know? Oh, my God. By the way, can you imagine, can you imagine the school saying, you're class one, so we'll put a little more Ebola in your food so you have a higher chance of getting it. Like, if that's how they really viewed the virus. That's how they would view this, right? But they don't. That's so true. They don't true. view this as any risk, we were, right? We, we, we were exposed <laughs> you to death for half an hour. Right. If they really believed the virus and the mask stuff, they would be, that's, oh it would God. be the same thing. It's like, here's a little more, you know, here's a little more Ebola in your goulash or whatever the hell they're serving in schools. I think somebody yeah. on Twitter, you know, responded to that and they said, uh, they said, isn't that evidence that these kids hate masks, that, that you have to reward them with mask free time? You know, maybe, maybe we shouldn't be doing that. But I think my favorite part is just like, 
is is after you know is after as carter said we're going we're going to uh, reward you with with uh with oxygen-based death uh <laughs> you know, please send them more money like you know what i mean it's just so or give us more donations so it's bad. so like it's so it's so weird man it's 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 there, there's it's no just, there's no logic to it it's it belies that what what there's it it's evidence of the fact that this is they don't even themselves believe that the masks are working and that this no. is about control. And so they're saying you won. So we're going to loosen up control on you for a little bit. It, it's just become a way of, of rewarding you is we're going <laughs> to, we're going to stop the beatings for a while, you know, for you. I just, it blew my mind and actually heard anecdotally about another, another mother on Twitter. Um, I think it might've been Libby Emmons who said that this was happening at her kid's school too, where they were getting mask breaks for doing well on a test or, you know, it blows my mind. I mean, it's the mask break as reward that really, like I get the mask break, even if there was a, like, let's assume that there's a real risk that masks really do help lower the risk, but there's also downsides to masks. And so you need to, you're trying to weigh risks and say, okay, well, you get a little bit of a break on the mask. We're gonna, we're trying to, you know, you could make an argument that 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 would make sense but you can't make an argument that it should be a reward there's no universe in which that argument works <laughs> yeah anyway Unle unless I the only universe where it works is if the masks are not needed and they're just well, a control mechanism so mm -hmm. speaking of rewards there was one other thing i saw i didn't have a lot of topics today i just had i, w I wanted to talk about that because it cracked me up and and blew my mind but the other was um, the CNN clip that I sent you, Carter. Oh, yeah. And this is really short. I don't know if you can play it on your end. Uh, I will do you, my best. You guys may have seen this, Chris mm -hmm. and Clifton. No. And if you haven't, okay, then we'll watch it together. All right, let's hope that sound actually works. That will be the, the issue. Let me know if you guys hear this or not. No, I can't hear it. Nope. <clears throat> All right, hold on. Can't can't do it. Effing thing sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just haven't had to play sound in a while from this computer into here, so I don't even know if it's currently even working. Hold on. Who are you well, channeling? <laughs> oh, I got it. I got it. Try this. <laughs> the medical innovation to get back to living our normal life. The sound the work now? Yes, it does. Yes. All right, cool. Here we go. Sorry about that, everyone. It's only 17 seconds. The medical innovation to get back to living our normal lives in a matter of months. As law professor Shane Inspector argued at Smirconish.com this week, without a better carrot or a bigger stick, many Americans won't get vaccinated and we will suffer more death and dislocation. The medical innovation to get back to- That's it. There oh, you go. Oh, if, if Smirconish says so. <laughs> I, love how he, I love how he said it, you know, Smirconish as if, what is, what is that? What? I'm sorry, man. <laughs> but that, but that's, that goes back to what we were talking about before. You know, it's just this idea that, you know, we, you have to circumvent people's logic and just and keep them afraid. And, and, it, and it goes back to what I was saying before. I mean, I'm so glad that I left, uh, that I left New York because, 
you know, they've been inundated for more than a year now. Uh, you know, if, if you, 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 there's arrows and circles on the sidewalks of where to walk and where to stand, excuse me, where to walk and where to stand. There's, you know, uh, subway announcements, these robotic subway announcements. There's placards and, and billboards everywhere telling you to, to keep your distance and get vaccinated. There's all these, you know, pictures of how to correctly wear a mask. I mean, it is, it is everywhere. You can't escape it. And, you know, and of course the state was the most hard hit. Um, because uh, as we all know, Cuomo managed it so well. That's why he sold books and, and won an Emmy. And you just, you, you it, it, they're, they're, they're walking around and, and this is a phenomenon. I mean, even, even uh, you know, where I am in Atlanta, you know, it, depending on where you are, you know, the, the, the place I'm in, there's a lot of BLM signs and, and Biden-Harris signs on people's yards and everything. And it's, it's an area. I also think I'm living near a bunch of uh, uh, communists. But it, it, it's an area where people are walking around outside with masks on, double masked. Um, you know, people will cross the street to avoid you if they see you coming uh, uh, with uh, without a mask on. You know, it's, it's just this it's just phenomenon. It's deep. And meanwhile, this is a city where, you know, nightclubs and strip joints have been open since for the past year. So, you know, I, I just. I just don't I don't get, you know, what 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 their what their thing is. But this whole idea of, um, you know, it, it, it seems that they're, they're dealing with a problem of, of low uptake. I mean, it seems as though that that the supply is there, but people just aren't aren't taking it. And it, it, the, the more they push, the more that they, they say you have to go and do this thing, the more it creeps me out and the more uh, and the more resistant I become. And uh, it's just it, But now there's this weird thing where it, it's it's really becoming kind of sinister and, and really kind of aggressive. I mean, uh, Joe Biden tweeted out um, the other day, it was a very short tweet and succinct. It, it just said, you know, uh, uh, get vaccinated, folks. And that was kind of it. <laughs> and, I, and I quote tweeted and I said, you know, he, he left out or else. It just, it, there's something that's very, very strange about this. And also, you know, what they don't want to say, but it, it feels like it's, you know, just not politically correct to say is that there's a lot of uh, what they're calling vaccine hesitancy or refusal among minorities, specifically among the black community. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, well, it's kind of funny when you when you spend all this time and energy telling black people that America is a racist society and every institution from, you know, from the press to to the government to the healthcare system is racist against black people. And now these same black people who have Tuskegee, that's part of our lore, Tuskegee, um, in our minds. Now you're surprised that they're a little bit hesitant to go and get this shot, which you which the government and all these pundits and all these celebrities keep trying to force on them. I bet there's black barbershops right now that are open where they're talking about all these kinds of things that they would you know, label uh, Alex Jonesian conspiracy theories about, you know, why they're trying to make us take all these vaccines. I mean, it's just and, and the idea that people want to to segregate into, you know, vaccinated or unvaccinated uh, uh, society yeah. is very strange. Yeah. It's going to it's even going to it's going to be even more awkward when they find that there's a lot of minorities who are like, no, nah, I'm not taking that shot. So then so then what are you going to do? What, what's the social justice crowd going to do at that point? I, I, I can't wait to see that, how that, how that. Well, out. you have to remember, they don't, they don't view the social justice crowd has never viewed minorities as uh, fully human and having agency. So <laughs> you're going to have to do it because it's for your own good. And that's what they're going to tell you. Like that's, if they view people, if they viewed minorities as having agency and individuals, they wouldn't be foisting all this crap on them. And, uh, you know, they wouldn't be saying, well, 
we have to lower standards in these areas and we need a certain number of this or that, they would just say, hey, everyone just go do your thing. And uh, <laughs> like meritocracies aren't racist, but they're telling you meritocracies are racist, meritocracies are racist and, uh, and everything because they don't they don't actually care. Can I can I address this also? I'm so glad you brought this up. We've we've only talked about it once before, and I just wanted to show the difference in how the media is reporting on vaccine hesitancy or reluctance or people who flat out, you know, or have decided they're not going to take it, how they report on it in the black community versus the white community. Um, I found it very interesting because I sent you about five headlines there, Carter. And yeah, when they when they talk about black people not wanting to get the vaccine. Oh, and first of all, I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but on Facebook, they keep doing their vaccine propaganda, showing you videos mm -hmm. of people getting vaccines. And it's in my feed anyway, it's over 50 percent black people that they show me. It's black celebrities and black politicians. And I'm like, wow, they're really pushing this hard in the black community. Like, look, it's black people getting the vaccine and <laughs> <laughs> you should feel good about it. Right. I'm like, that's kind of interesting. But um, these headlines, for the most part, I would summarize them as being um, black Americans are hesitant to get the vaccine for very good reasons. And you need to understand why. And I think that's true. But then the headlines about white people not getting the vaccine are mm. like white Christian evangelicals threaten to kill all of us because they don't want to get the vaccine <laughs> because they're, right. they're stupid, bigoted, horrible. Yes, yeah, it's so different. The tone yeah. of the pieces is so because different. it's safe. It's not. It's it's not safe to to criticize black people. So they're going to be dis and th and that's the thing, right? Because if if we're in the midst of this uh, of this. Uh, death bringing pandemic where everyone is at risk and, and vaccines are the only way back to safety, then why are we letting black people off the hook? It, it, doesn't that sound weird to you? Like, do, do you want us to die? You know what I mean? And it's, it's just, it's, it's very strange, but they, they can't, there, there's a cognitive dissonance there that they don't seem to really want to um, <laughs> want to address honestly, because if if you really believe this this is going to save lives and get us back to normalcy, then maybe you should. Then why aren't you, you know, why are you letting black folks off the hook? I don't know, man. Maybe like I said, you know, I wonder if there's a bunch of barbershops where they're like, hey, man, you know, they want to they're trying to kill us with these vaccines, bro. You know, what you're saying, you know, I mean, who who knows? It just it, it the the messaging in general, you know, that there's been a big criticism about that and how and how poor and how mixed it's been. But even with this, you know, it's it's, it's just the strangest thing where, you know, you have this this uh, this cultural zeitgeist right now where, where we're supposed to be doing everything in order to preserve black lives. But if these uh, if these shots, which I, I uh, stopped calling them vaccines, <laughs> if these shots are supposed to uh, to save black lives and why are we allowing people uh, black people not to take them. It just seems it seems like you're, you're working at cross purposes there. Yeah. It's I don't know. I so, think it's amazing. And I think there I think there is a lot of go ahead, Carter. I, I was just going to say it's understandable if you view what their goal is. Their goal is um, obedience to the leftist narrative. And many blacks are already bought hmm. in on the leftist agenda. But the problem is the conservative uh, white, what they're calling the evangelicals or whatever, they're the people that are not bought in on the leftist agenda. So um, with the vaccines, they don't want to piss off the black community because 
they need the black community to stay on their side. So they have to be like, oh, we understand because Tuskegee and blah, blah, blah. But but trust us this time. It's really great. Um, <laughs> but the white, the white evangelicals are really, really already the enemy. And so they need to be further vilified. It's not about yes. it's not about anything particular to those groups other than those the status of those groups with respect to the longer term goal. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, so, you know, um, and, and even though, uh, look, even though so many of us do buy into this, uh, this narrative, we, you know, it, it, it's also insulting because at the same time, even, even I say cognitive dissonance, I mean, we, we're not dumb, you know, <laughs> so, so, so there's a lot of people who are just like, yeah, I don't, I just, and they, and again, they have valid reasons for being like, yeah, I don't, I mean, I have a friend who, <clears throat> You know, she she wants to have children. I mean, that, I mean that, that that's sort of uh, it's sort of tangential, but um, you know, because we're we're also ignoring other demographics that we're supposed to care about. I mean, I don't know if you've been following the journey of uh, of of Naomi Wolf <laughs> lately, but you know, she's you know uber feminist, kind of radical liberal, and her the the, the her saw lately has been about. Um, I think something that that's very very pertinent. I you know I, I don't know how much veracity some of her other claims have. I mean some of the things that she's been claiming in recent interviews are very very alarming. But I think one salient thing that she has been saying is that we are completely ignoring concerns about women's health when it comes to taking these uh, to, to taking these shots. You know, and why are we all of a sudden overlooking that? Why are we overlooking? Yeah. Why are we recommending these for pregnant women? Is that is that what what's the precedent for that? You know, I and I have a friend who she's concerned about her her fertility and her reproductive ability and that's why she's not taking it she also happens to be black and um you know but she but, people, but women like her are being lumped in with so-called anti-vaxxers and it's just it's and again it kind of goes back to what we were saying before about there's no real rationality in this discourse it's all about fear it's all about we have to have everyone afraid and and this one solution is the only way that we have back to normalcy and it's just like dude we're sacrificing kids we're sacrificing black people we're sacrificing uh, uh women all, all in the name of this one kind of um uh, agenda i thought it was interesting what you said uh, carter that you know the, the narrative is what's most important and that and that's yeah. and that's it it's just it's it's very strange it doesn't matter if people die <laughs> or have uh, uh adverse effects uh you know it's just it's all for one it's, goal it's manichaean right it it's there's no nuance allowed like i don't yeah. know the, the pregnant woman would think is the, is the most annoying to me because and i've said this before on our show my wife is pregnant right now and we went to the doctor and the doctor was like, absolutely, it's totally safe to take the vaccine. You should totally, it's totally fine for pregnant women. And I thought to myself, it's literally impossible for a longitudinal study to have done on any of these vaccines. It's, it's, it's impossible. There is no way you know the effect three to four years from now on a baby that hasn't been born yet. These vaccines just came out. Um, so. It's one thing for a doctor to say, we don't think that there's any effect. This is right. why we don't think there's an effect. You know, COVID is a risk. You might want to take it because there's a reason that, you know, it's a risk cost benefit analysis or, you know, um, it's a risk management decision you have to make. But to say it is ridiculous, like it's ridiculous to, to make the claim that there's no reason at all to question anything. And it's completely, you know, we know 100% that there's not a problem which is what they're saying. And they are losing credibility because th this, 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 this mannequin, this black or white kind of, it's, it's all good or all bad and you can't have a nuanced discussion. I think 
a lot of people see through that and you just lose credibility. So th there's By no the way, a credible uh, medical professional sits down and has a, a risk management discussion with you. They don't say things like we know there's no problem. But this is this worries me for this video because we've already seen that YouTube, like you said, you're not allowed to have a discussion. It's they view right, it as all or right. nothing. And and specifically uh, talking about women and women who are concerned about fertility or pregnancy, you're not allowed to talk about that on YouTube in relation to the vaccine. Like Don't to you even mean ask questions. Pregnant people carry? <laughs> pregnant right. people with the cervix? <laughs> I know. We're going to have to come up. We started to come up with some um, 1920s inspired uh, code words for things that so we could continue to have conversations on YouTube. We're going to have to add one for pregnant women. So put your recommendations. Well, we should say that for you, the YouTube censors. We're not making a claim that we're the not. vaccines have an adverse effect. We're just complaining that we're not allowed to ask the question. That we're not allowed to even. Yeah, that's it. It doesn't matter. We're still going to get dinged. Yeah, I know. We're still I, I just hey, wanna... we'll see you in two weeks because we're going to be gone. Oh, man. I, I just want to say I, I trust everything Joe Biden says, and I love it. <laughs> Especially Fauci. And as Fauci's told us when Same he Fauci. lies, Fauci told us when he lies to us, he has good reason. And that when he told us not to wear masks in early 2020, that he lied to us, but it was for good reason. He told us that it was for good reason. So right. what if, he, um, hey, are we allowed to ask the question now? Might you have another good reason involving the public good that you're not telling us? Is that we're not, no, you're not allowed to ask that. You just have to wait oh, until, oh, okay. he, until he tells you that. I had a good reason anyway. then, but I'll never have a good reason again. Yeah. Oh, my but goodness. You know what, because it, it's, it, it, it's, it's strange because, uh, oh gosh, now, now I don't even know what I can uh, – what I can. Oh, go right, okay. go right ahead. Yeah. Stay with everyone. It's, it's, it's too late I now. Say a lot, but I the cat is out in the bag and running around the yard. I think that um, I, I, I wonder if on some level uh, the, the reason that there's this confusing messaging and, and why people are so upset or irritated by this idea that we still have to wear masks and we still have to social distance even after we've been fully uh, uh, dosed, shall we say, is that it just makes me wonder on some level, and this is I, if they kind of understand that there are issues with the um, with the uh, injection, <laughs> and you know it, it it's right. They would argue it's because that. of variants. I think right. They would argue that it's because there's variants, and they're not one hundred percent sure that the vaccination works perfectly well but see but then so. but then you know i mean i've been i don't know if you've been paying attention to some of the the other arguments i mean brett weinstein had um, i mean i don't even want to say his name i don't know if you can but he, he had no, a that's cool a, 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 he had a, a vaccinologist on recently uh, named geert uh, vandenbosch who has made some very alarming claims and it's funny because he's also because there's no rationality in this discussion he's also referred to as as a quote-unquote anti-vaxxer but the dude literally makes vaccines and yeah. um you know, that's but his job. <laughs> that, 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 that is his job. But I, if, if I'm understanding him correctly, I think what he's saying is that even though, you know, the, the injections are, are very effective, um, the fact that we're deploying them in the midst of uh, a pandemic is is <clears throat> in, is partially inducing the uh, the mutation of, of immuno evasive 
uh, uh, variants. So that so that's part of the issue. But you know, I don't really see that being uh, being discussed fully. I hope I'm not mis misrepresenting what what he's saying. But if if that's my understanding of it, I think that might be an issue and of course it's not being addressed uh, in a public sphere and if you bring up these questions then they call you a You're moron. You're not allowed. Dude. He got that video got dinged on Facebook. I don't know if it came down permanently or just temporarily but just for having a specialist an expert in the field address this with Brett Weinstein who's also, you know, in science, evolutionary biologist. Evolutionary biologist. Just the fact that they had that conversation they got dinged for it. So, well, he, you you know you know that it's not about accuracy with respect to science or anything because, and you know that it's about allegiance to a narrative, because you get dinged for questioning because you get dinged for questioning the the twenty twenty election, and you get dinged for questioning uh, not just the election but even even before the so called insurrection, which wasn't in which wasn't. Uh, you would get in trouble for asking questions about or alluding to um, security concerns or validity of voting concerns. Like, hey, you know, there might be issues with voting. Like, just just kind of asking that question or having that conversation will get you banned or or dinged or whatever and it's because can you can you imagine i guess i guess this is the thing that's really interesting to me if you want to have a free country in which we don't trust the government and the people are kind of in in keeping government in check which was the idea of the united states the one thing you have to be able to do is ask questions about what the government is telling you is true mm -hmm. and yet twitter facebook google all the things that their their sensors are not about I mean, some of their censors are, are not about government stuff like the trans, you know, uh, pronoun usage and that kind of stuff. That's not a government policy. But their censors are also very much about the government narrative is the correct narrative. And you may not question the government narrative. And when the bureaucrats tell us that there are no voting problems and there never could be voting problems and voting is completely secure, you're not allowed to question that. And when the government says, don't use masks, which which they said early on in COVID, you're not allowed to question that. And then when they say, do use masks later, you're not allowed to question that. And so it's not about, there's literally no attempt being made to, it's not like they have a, a set of truths in their head that they're trying to control and censor. They just have like, there's the narrative, there's, the, there's what the official narrative is, and that's it. That's what we want to censor. Or that's yeah. what we want to enforce. That's it. It's the, and how can you have a society? How can you have a decent government if no one, if all of the major platforms don't let let you ask even crazy conspiratorial questions about the government? You have to have the Alex Joneses asking crazy questions about frogs be turning gay because of government whatever. Like I don't, you know, you have to you have to have that so that the government doesn't have just a blank check to do whatever the hell they want. Heart carte blanche. Yeah. Um, I would just like to point out that I've uh, being a guest on other podcasts, there are some podcast hosts, which understandably so will give you a list of topics beforehand and say, please don't speak about any of these things because we don't want the video demonetized and we don't want it to be pulled down. And Carter, you just started speaking about the whole list. <laughs> yeah. I did everything. Alex Jones, gay frogs. Like, it's all there. Yeah. Okay. 
Sorry. <laughs> no, that's I, fine. I don't. It's hard <laughs> to even have relevant conversations now. And, I know. And, and tiptoe around the the YouTube policies. It's really difficult. And we're not even. I'm not even saying. I'm not even trying to argue with any of this stuff. I'm just saying I want to talk about it and ask questions, and it's really hard to even do that. And yeah. the thing is, I think that people. It's not just people in, in this space who, you know, who are inquisitive or skeptical. I mean, like I said before, I mean, you know, you can go to a black barbershop right now and the fellas will be in there talking about all kinds of stuff, all <laughs> kinds of crazy conspiracies or whatever, because that's what people do. That's just what people right. do. And, you know, you can try to quash and, and, and manicure and corral all the conversation that, that, that you want to in these public forums. But I mean, we all know this. It's not going to stop people from talking about it. And it's not going to be the demographics that you expect to talking about this kind of stuff. You know what I mean? It's just it's this is just how people are and what and what we do. So when you stifle that, I mean, really, in a way, it's this weird way of trying to control humanity. And, you know, even even I won't say play God, but you're you're you're, you know, I mean, human human beings are, are curious, and we want to know stuff, and we we want to right. challenge stuff, and uh, it's just, uh, I don't know, I, you know, we, we, our our tech overlords and 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 their co-conspirators have a very very strange and, and limited view of of people and who we are, and and frankly, you know, our our sort of um, intelligence as well. I mean, you know, I, I I mention this book all the time, but you know, Soul talks about a, a conflict of visions and. You know, one of the things that really struck uh, stuck out to me from that book is this concept of, you know, you have this small uh, collection of knowledge, you know, specialized knowledge and this sort of elite class who, you know, think that they have all the answers and thus can tell everyone else, you know, how they, they're, they're the best positioned to tell everyone else how they can live their lives. And yet at, this, at, at the other end of the spectrum, you have this collection of you know tens of millions hundreds of millions of people who have their who have consequential knowledge or or experiential knowledge you know any any kind of you know you know knowledge of their own lives and their own priorities and values well yeah but, but here's the thing because i feel like in a way right now what i was struck by after i came uh, after i got out of new york is that um you know, for all the talk about trusting the experts and listening to the experts and, you know, and you go to a deep blue city like New York where, you know, they think they know everything because they listen to all the quote unquote very smart people as they're called. And yet you come down to Atlanta and just, you know, the regular guy, you know, on, on the street, I'm having conversations with everybody who's, who's you know, Uber drivers, uh, you know, fellow security guards, um, everybody, you know, they're, they're looking at all this data as well. They're looking at the headlines and, you know, they don't have any degrees, but they also, but they can see, that people aren't dying on mass in the streets. They can they can understand that it's not what it was made out to be. And whether it was my brothers, you know, sort of artist friends in their young twenties, or you know, older guys, or you know, just from different demographics, people sort of understand. Like, wait, it doesn't seem to be you know what it was all uh, what what it was all hyped up to be. You know, and yet you go to these blue enclaves and people are acting like, you know, if you go outside and, and inhale, you're going to die. There's a 50 percent chance that you'll die. But these people that they denigrate, you know, and fly over country or in the south, you know, who, have, you know, who in many cases have been working or, you know, just living their lives, you know, somewhere close to normal. They're just like, 
yeah, I'm all right, all right, whatever, man. Like, let me just go to the store. Let me do this. Let me do that. You know, they're 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 sharing joints with their friends. They're going to concerts. You know, I was at a bar just just uh, last last weekend with a bunch. <laughs> I shouldn't have been there, but you know, I'm in this crowded basement. People are playing karaoke with all these twenty year olds. You know, who are sharing drinks and everything. Like they're like they're partying, bro. They don't care. And they're and one of the re- and they they're enjoying their lives. You know, one guy even told me he was like he's like look. You, you choose how you're gonna die. I mean, he wasn't quite correct, but I know what he was. But I know what he was trying to say. You know what I mean? And you know, people. Uh, and it's weird. I'm like, the, the, you know, the, these kids, these people who are who are living their lives normally and seem to have a better understanding of the true risks of of COVID than all these experts on TV. You know, reading from McSmirnish or whatever. You know, the f, um, telling us that you know we need a bigger stick and we have to all go get uh, get get jabbed. It's it's very. It's very strange. So I just think about, you know, a conflict of visions, how all these people with no degree seem to have a, a better grasp on on what this pandemic is than, than you know, than people telling us that we're all going to die. Yeah. And, and the you know, I think that the elite class, I don't think they realize this, which is it's an obvious thing, but I don't know why they don't realize it. Maybe they do. And I'm they're playing 40 chess and I don't know. But um, the more they prohibit nuanced, reasonable discussion, or even questions, or people pushing back and saying, well, I don't know about this, and what about that, and could this be a concern? And I, like, the more they make this into, it's 100% good what we're telling you, and anyone who doesn't agree is killing grandma and needs to be censored, the more they do that, the less a rational person trusts experts that come out of, that come from their class, because a regular person knows they're being hyperbolic. And so yeah. I no longer trust, there are plenty of experts that completely agree and plenty of experts that completely disagree. Now, maybe a lot more agree with the, the mainstream narrative. I don't know, but the mainstream has made it into this, don't think, you're not allowed to think about this. You're, you only need to obey. And when you're told not to think about something and, and only obey, it's really hard for you to then trust that person in the future telling you anything. I don't see how they don't understand the well, that's, ultimate consequence of this. That's assuming, I mean, the people waking up, it's happening, but it's happening slowly. And so th- that is a consequence, but not for the majority of, of, of the people who are plugged into the cathedral. They do just trust and obey. It's like a religion for them. And these people are like you, somebody you said earlier, ha- uh, hagiography, these, they're like saints. Fauci's like a saint. Um, I just wanted to point out something. Yeah. This, this is Carter put yeah. some of these headlines on the screen earlier. We didn't read them, but he put them up for anyone listening. When I was talking about the difference in the way they taught that the media reports on people not wanting to get the vaccine um, based on whether they're black or white, this is the one from CNN. And this was, I put this one up already before. Yeah, I just wanted to read. Yeah, we didn't read oh, them. Okay. I just wanted to read this one and I wanted to make a different point about it. So this is CNN. Oh. It says, it says, when black people are wary of the vaccine, it's important to listen and understand why. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that makes me laugh. That makes me laugh too, because could you imagine? They're like, when white people are wary of the vaccine, it's important to listen and understand why, why does it matter? I mean, I understand their point, and but at the same time, I think it's it's just so obvious how 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 they're telling us to treat people differently based on race when it comes to whether or not they want the vaccine. And 
Um, the point I was going to make is Clifton, when you said that you're sure there's uh, black barbershops where people are sitting around asking all kinds of questions and engaging in what, what the mainstream would call conspiracy theory. Well, if that ever got reported on by CNN, they would say when black people sit in barbershops and discuss conspiracy theories, it's important to listen and understand why. <laughs> right. <laughs> they would say the same thing. Anyway. They would. Yeah. yeah, but when it's Alex Jones, oh my gosh, man take him off the internet. <laughs> I'm surprised there aren't more like black people into like conspiracy theories and stuff. Because I understand like the, the conflict between the idea that the government saved us black folks from slavery and civil rights, but we can point out a bunch of other things like the Tuskegee experiment and other things in which government has done terrible things to black people. So it, it's odd when I see people like in my own family that kind of worship the government a bit but at the same time acknowledge all the terrible things that governments have done and are still somewhat afraid of the idea of states' rights because that means, you know, South wants to put us in chains again or something. It's like, I, I don't understand how you're able to square away this uh, contradiction and, and differing thoughts. Well, that's, that's, yeah. that's the craziest thing to me because it's like, okay, well, if, if you believe that the, <laughs> you know, I mean, I did. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. If, if you believe that the government is out to get you and, and that this, this is a racist society, then why are you voting in ways that expand the power of the government? How, mm -hmm. how can you not see that cognitive dissonance? And uh, and that's why that's sort of my position. I think it's I think it's more pro black to be like, OK, look, we don't need to rely on these corrupt politicians. You know, we can rely on ourselves and our communities. I mean, that that's sort of my position. It's not about being a Republican or a Democrat. It's like, look, you know, if you think the government is 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 corrupt, uh, you know, and, and the man's going to keep you down, then stop relying on the man and rely on yourself. But, you know, but I, I don't know, man. I mean, I'm, I'm I'm with you, Chris. It's just it's it's they don't see they, they don't see the, the conflict in their in their um, in, in their worldview. Yeah. yeah. You know, one of the things that. Um, one of the things that I, I've been hearing about the vaccine is that they, we've gotten to this point in which basically anyone who wants it has it and we're down to some it's double digit but i think low double digit percentage maybe 20 percent. i forget the number of people who just they just aren't gonna they just don't want it um and it's not like it's not available it's not like you know it they just need to push it a little bit more and I, th I think they're concerned because that's a large percentage of people who are basically unwilling to just obey. That's a pretty yeah. large percentage of the population yes. that are unwilling to obey. And I heard a story on NPR this morning all about how now we've entered this new phase where we can't just tell them to do it like all the good people. These people need to hear it from, and they specifically talked about the black community. Uh, they they were talking about well the black community needs to hear it and, and moms actually they also talked about women because apparently women are less likely to want to, to get the jab and they said well they need to hear it from their trusted doctors so now it's going to be a long process where we we have to go and individually have conversations with healthcare providers instead of just doing propaganda because propaganda doesn't work on them as well and um I don't know. I, I I think I think this is one of the things that bothers them is not if it was one percent of the population they might not care, but it's a large enough percentage of the population that it doesn't bode well for authoritarians. 
Right. Like, you, isn't that's that, a lot of it, people who said no. It lines up with the Ash Conformity experiment. It does. Uh, it does. It's what is like the uh, Ash Conformity experiment? So they did these studies starting in the 50s. They've repeated it many times. The in in the original Ash Conformity experiment, it was they drew they drew different length lines on a paper. Oh, you're right, right. I know yeah, and so they then they would bring people in and, and like six people at a time and ask them which is the longest line, and they would go down the row and they would all say out loud in front of everyone which one was the longest line. But the first five people would be actors, and they would pick a shorter line. And they would all pick the same shorter line. And then the sixth person would be the person they're actually studying. And that person, 75% of the time, would pick the shorter line because everyone else did instead of picking the long line. And so they extrapolate from that. I mean, it, it's 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 not, you know, it, but you could extrapolate from it and say maybe 25% of people tell the truth every time, no matter the pressure in the room, the societal pressure in the room. Um which to me seemed like, or, or you could time. just say seventy-five percent definitely will yield to pressure in or a very 70... obvious situation, right? Yeah, it's an obvious a... one. It's not. There's no ambiguity about which line is longer. It's like clearly false. You seventy-five percent will agree with clearly false. If and six the first other time people I heard do. that, it blew my mind. I was, I said, twenty-five percent is pretty low, but now I think twenty-five percent is high. <laughs> so yeah. I don't know. Anyway. There was a. Did you see this show? There was a show a while ago where um, I forget the name of it, but it was a. They did this study where they they had a doctor's office, and they had um, I think they just had one person in the doctor's office in the waiting area who was an actor. Oh no, maybe maybe it was more than one. I think it was just one though, um, and they had like one person's actor. And while they're waiting, like a little chime would go off, like bing. And that person would just like, when the chime went off, they would just stand up straight and then sit back down in their chair. Yeah. And like the other person, the new person came in and like looked at them like this was crazy. But the bing went off again and they would do it again. And like, and then eventually like the other person started, like, I think maybe the other person started doing it. They ended up, yeah, the the other person started doing it. And then um, they let the kind of, as people filtered in, it was kind of cool because by the end of the show, they got to a spot where no one in the room had actually been around for the initial, like, no one actor. in the room could possibly have known why. I think it might have been more than one actor at the beginning. Um, so no one in the room could have possibly known why you're standing up when it dings. <laughs> but because they were all just the subjects, but they were perpetuating this habit, this behavior, and they didn't know why. And they had learned it from plants. From from actors who had been planned to do it, it's just so. Someone in the chat says Pavlovian. Yeah, it's it's very. Yeah, uh, it is Pavlovian, but it's also social pressure, right? Uh, which is really, really, just... really weird. It's some something that concerns me a little bit is, um, you know, I think Clifton, you were talking about like why are they why are people relying more on the government, right? Um, it's done all these bad things. Maybe it was, I think it was you, but um, why are that, what, you know, why are people relying more and more on the government? And I was reading um, de Tocqueville's ancient regime and the revolution yet like two days ago. And he, he made an interesting point, which I had, like, it, I guess maybe it's obvious, but um, prior to the French revolution, the a lot of the people the government had become a caretaker it had become like he would he was using the word guardian 
the government had become their like guardian and their caretaker. So if they were on hard times, it was the government's job. Everything was the government's job, setting prices, like uh, lots of stuff was the government's job. And he said they the, the French people were kind of okay with that. They They liked it. They wanted it to be the government's job. And the government had grown over the previous centuries just to take over more and more. And it had moved from what he was calling a sovereign nation to um, this guardianship nation. But the problem was, as soon as things went wrong, because people had abdicated personal responsibility, they also abdicate, they also then gave the government accountability. And when things started going wrong, everything was the government's fault. So it was like, okay, well, I, I'm liking being taken care of and I, I thank you and I'm gonna, you know, in, in modern parlance, it might be, I'm gonna keep pulling the donkey lever, keep giving me more goodies. But when things start to go south, uh, along, with, along with giving that authority comes giving of responsibility and blame when things start to go poorly. And I, that maybe is good for us. Maybe if things really start going poorly, a lot of these people who have just put all their trust in the government won't will stop asking for government help at some point and no. turn against the government. Maybe Gary is not Gary is not feeling that. <laughs> no, she's not feeling that. No. no, well, I only because I wish that would happen, but it's only what we talked about earlier. You know, where you, that cognitive dissonance where you can have you can leave California because it's become unlivable because the policies you voted for and still not recognize it was the policies you voted for. There's a weird disconnect. When I was in it, there was a, I had a huge disconnect from reality sure. and what I believed to be true. And I don't, I think people, if they look at the government and say the government screwed it up, I mean, they're already saying that the government screwed it up. We're not getting enough in stimulus money. Um, this is wrong. That's wrong. Let's vote for more people. Let's make it bigger. We need to make, uh, committees. Let's put committees in there. You know, it's like it just keeps getting bigger and bigger. Right. But we're in that phase. I think maybe that my point isn't that that doesn't happen. Okay. Like, obviously, that's how we got here. And that's what happened in France for a long time. But there was a tipping point at which, like, things got yeah. so bad that suddenly it's a, a switch flipped. And it was like, now we don't want any of it. <laughs> Like now it's all your fault. We wanted more and more and more. You weren't doing it. We want more reform. We want more of this. Take take care of us more. But at some point there became a tipping point where it was like, oh, we're over it now. It's all your fault. <laughs> um, that's, that's sort of the um, the white pill perspective, isn't it? You know, people, I, I was just thinking about this before, um, before we got on. Um, you know, people say it gets worse before it gets better. And, and, and on the other side of this, you know, you know, better times will come. But I think the question for me right now is what does worse look like? And um, it could be really it, bad. Is it going to be a world war? Is it going to be, oh, yeah. you know, some kind of a genocide? Like what, you know, people enslavement, segregation, like what what is that worse going to be? Because I, I mean, I do. I am also sort of heartened. I, I do think people are being uh, uh, um, uh, awakened. I mean, I'm in this chat group on on Twitter right now. It's it's uh, you know a couple of dozen people, but you know two groups actually. Uh, so I'd say probably about three dozen total. Who I think a lot of them consider themselves to be on the left, and they're Democrats, or at least they're one calls herself a recovering Democrat. And you know they they have just been completely flummoxed by by the past by the events of the past year and how it's been covered by the press and so there are people that are seeing this and that they are waking up despite you know my 
my ranting at the beginning about you know there's there's still I think too married to this idea of of you know Democrat good, um, everyone else bad, um, and and I am heartened by the idea that um, what you were talking about Carter that you know th- there is a lot of supply as far as the uh, the injection goes and people just aren't taking it you know for a variety of reasons, so you know. You know, there are some reasons, I guess, to to be um, to be optimistic, and and uh, you know, maybe, maybe things are turning around, and and people are savvier than um, than we're led to believe. But uh, again, I just don't know how how bad things are going to have to get before people finally have that moment where they they say, okay, let's let's try something else. I mean, it, it it's going to happen, but it's just how how bumpy is the road uh, going to get there? Chris, I think you're going to say something. Yes, yeah, because I was thinking about uh, something similar recently, too. I was thinking about how the uh, economic power of America, as it declines, and what I believe will, will happen in the, yeah, the near future, if that's going to cause people to have to reprioritize a number of things, especially with the social justice stuff, because it's kind of easier if you're relatively doing well in life and things are right to obsess over the race and all this other stuff. But economically, if once you start to hit a rough point, then I think a lot of people are going to be forced to start thinking about other things. Because recently I sent an article to you, Carrie, about how I don't ask how I came across this, but I, I went to a socialist site. <laughs> I'm not a socialist, but uh, the, the, the socialist site was criticizing Joe Biden and Democrats for pushing social justice stuff, which I thought was interesting because that's something I've been thinking about recently about what are these classically Marxist types doing right now? Are they upset with this whole push to rebrand uh, things as issues of race and, and gender rather than issues of class? And sure enough, uh, they were. And so I'm thinking maybe as things get rougher, maybe some of these social justice types might go back into the Marxist sphere of influence, classical Marxist types, and become more obsessed with issues of class again, rather than issues of race and gender. We like I'm sure we that talked makes about me feel a lot better, but okay. Yeah, I know, but maybe it's <laughs> just a step. It's a still step uh, to getting better. It's a step maybe. away from the social justice <laughs> back to Marxism, like old school Marxism. Yeah, we talked yeah. about that that um, article that that Chris sent. He, he and I just talked about it, but one of the things I said to him was it made me think of, I had friend, a couple friends that were part of the Occupy Wall Street movement who were, I, I visited that movement with the documentary crew, but I wasn't part of it. I didn't camp out there and everything. I had two friends who were in it and they said, social justice destroyed that movement. Social justice, Marxism, this mutated kind of Marxism that we talk about all the time now, it came in and it and it destroyed the unity and the singular focus on class and it and everything became just a lot of infighting about intersectionality and who's more oppressed and and that it fell apart because of that and i i do know sometimes we get flack from people who are self-identified marxists online they get really angry when we call social justice marxism they get really angry because it, it even when you tell them well i know it's not like it's not classical Marxism, but it's a it's a mutated kind of of Marxism based around identity and power rather than wealth and class. And they they still get really angry. Like, no, it's so different. They they're enemies of it. Some of them. They I don't like that analog. Yeah, yeah, they don't like it. Yeah. Well, too bad. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the thing that worries me, though, I mean, as you know, you guys have all expressed some skepticism about the optimism. And by the way, I'm not, I actually think the U S is over, so I don't actually 
I'm not actually having the optimism that things will turn around. Oh, but uh, <laughs> look, I mean, communism is a dumb, horrible idea that will eventually die and it's self-defeating. But it can take a hell of a lot of people along to the grave with it on the way. And that's the thing that's concerning to me. Like, okay, yeah, all this stuff will eventually end. Um, the question is, what's going to be the cost to all of us? And, this, and the thing that I'm, one of the things I'm concerned about with U.S. culture right now is there is no clear alternative in, in, in the sense of a unified positive vision of what, what the alternative could be. I mean, uh, you've got you've got the social justice left, who I don't think people actually have a clear vision for what that is. Um, it's just like rabid destruction of everything and anger, um, which I think maybe doesn't bode well for a long-term survival of that vision. But if the only other unified vision that people can turn to is some sort of Marxist variant or some European socialism as the way to go... Um, I think we'll end up there, which is not what I want to see either. What's lost is, and this is, I think, the failure of conservatives, which is why I don't like conservatives. I mean, not personally, but I don't like the conservative movement. I don't like the Republicans because they have dropped the ball for my entire life and have been unable to defend individualism intellectually. They don't even try. They don't under, They don't get it. They don't understand how to defend it. And they don't. they don't provide a positive vision. They don't say to people, hey, you know what makes this country great? Not just make America great again and, and here's a phrase and I'm not gonna actually explain what it means, but instead, you know what actually makes this country great? It's the idea of individualism, it's individual sovereignty, it's the fact that the government, it's actually supposed to be limited from, from violating your rights. Like this, And these are your rights and these are why these are your rights. And this is why healthcare isn't a right or this other thing isn't a right. These are where rights come from. This is what this is what this made this country great in the first place. This is, this is what we have to get back to. And here's how awesome we could be if we unleashed and unshackled people from the burden that government has placed on them and got the government out of their way. Um, but no one is really trying to paint a vision like that. The, the conservatives and the Republicans are, are as Michael Malice often says, they're just progressives driving the speed limit. They're like, mm -hmm. yeah, 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 that, all those ideals are great, but we can't, that, you know, Marxism is great on paper. We just have to get there slowly. It's not, you know, it's just not totally practical. So we need some compromise. But like, that's not inspiring. No one is going to vote for like, yeah, I love that direction, but I want to go more slowly. It just, and, and I think with Trump, it became, the alternative became just a cult of personality, which obviously dies with that person, right? Mm -hmm. So that's not going to last. I don't know. What do you guys, I'm just throwing this around. I don't know. What do you guys think about any of this? Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's funny because um, lately, you know, since, since moving into, people keep calling it this space. I don't know what this space really means, but, you know, people keep saying, well, you know, well, Clifton, Clifton obviously, you're, you're a conservative, yada, yada, yada. And like I said before, I mean, you've seen my, my pinned tweet on Twitter, you know, I just... You know, the, the whole tribal like label thing, I'm not really about it, but, you know, I, I have I also have a distaste for like, I mean, I, I respect and understand the the ideals, I guess, or of conservatives as at least as I understand them right now. But um, but I kind of feel similarly in that, you know, I, I I have little respect for, I guess, like I said, the Republican Party as as opposed to or in the politicians, as opposed to people who uh who vote Republican in terms of 
oh my gosh, maybe I'm lumping them all together, but it's just like, it's sort of this sort of um, a toothless kind of a movement where they've sort of allowed themselves to be steamrolled. I mean, I think about entertainment, uh, especially, you know, like on, on one hand, I respect the, the pragmatism uh, of more conservative-minded people who might say, uh, "Well, you know, a, a career in the arts—it's just not practical. You don't get—you don't get a steady paycheck, you know." Or, or they say things like, "Well, you know, you don't have to go get an arts degree. You can, uh, uh, you can become a carpenter and build furniture, and, and you can apply your art that way." And I'm like, "No, people ain't trying to hear that, bro. Like, they're trying to do, you know, th their thing." And then, but then they turn around and like, "Yay, man! What, all the libs—they—they they dominate entertainment." And it's like, "Well, you allowed that uh, uh, to happen, <laughs> and now." And now there's this backlash where, you know, like people are asking me, so like, are you are you a conservative actor? Are you going to create more conservative art? I'm thinking to myself, like, it shouldn't matter what what political persuasion the the, the art stems from. You know, it just it, it. I don't. Maybe what I'm getting at is that they, they seem to be looking for for heroes or something. And it's like, you know, you know, you guys have some good ideas and some valuable ideas, but for for whatever reason, you're just you're not. You've allowed the 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 turf to be overrun by people who not only are ideologically opposed to you, but now you, you've allowed yourself to be smeared by these people who who now think that you're evil and and they won't even entertain um, entertain your ideas at all. So maybe what I'm what I'm responding to uh, as far as what you're saying, Carter, is that there is a sort of weakness and a lack of of backbone i mean even thomas soul kind of said you know it just seems like everything's lurching to the left just but you know if you vote republican it just lurches to the left more slowly yeah. um you know I mean, so what have they conserved what have they what have they conserved and 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 if you really believe in the things that you're conserving why aren't you fighting as i mean i think maybe it was um i think tim pool makes this point kind of, you know somewhat frequently it's like you know people on the left they're willing to quit their jobs they're willing to go out and march in the streets i mean they not not saying that this is advisable but i mean they they literally go out and riot and, and burn and burn stuff down and um you know but meanwhile i think this is this sort of drives why i'm so annoyed by the uh, the covid response um among other things and you know and where i where i sit as well is that there's so many people who are like well you know i just i don't want to lose my job and i don't want to really ruffle in any feathers yeah. and you know i'll just i'll go along with it and let it go well no that's part of the problem is that you know you have ideals and ideas that actually work and that actually are valid and and valid and legitimate but you're allowing them to be steamrolled by these ideologues who want to destroy you and they i mean they want to destroy you not not argue with you not debate with you and try to try to reach a common ground they want to destroy you and that doesn't seem to really be landing on these people yeah i know well, I mean, go ahead go ahead no i was to say I, I think there are a lot of people uh republicans and conservatives try to out play the left's game i think because oftentimes you see a lot of commentators and people being put up specifically because of the race, you know, or the gender and stuff. It's like, you're kind of playing that identity politics game, you know, say, Hey, we're, we're not racist. We got a black guy over here. We got a gay guy. Hey, it's great. You know, I mean, everyone should be welcome, but when you're specifically advertising that person because of their, you know, gender or race or sexual orientation, then you're just kind of playing the same game. It's like you're giving legitimacy yeah. to what the left is doing and it's like how are yes. you going to outbeat them doing this, the same thing at their own game i've seen that whenever there's sort of it's like a uh this past election i saw for the first time on the one hand it's a positive thing but on the other hand i think it's negative because it is playing their game this new kind of um you know republican lgbtq events 
And that's on the one hand, again, awesome that, that people feel included and that's not some kind of stick. I don't think that's a sticking point for people who are Republican, but, uh, but on the other hand, it's like, yeah, you're playing it into their game. Why are you having a forum and a discussion and a panel that's built specifically around identity and, and just around issues? I mean, I don't know. It's an attempt at short-term gain for long-term corruption of the point, which is like individualism. And so he, here, here's my, here's my issue though. Conservatives don't actually know what it is they're conserving other than what things were like when they were kids. Like they don't have a, there's not a, there's not an ideology. In fact, fundamentally conservatives ideology is the same as the left, which is why they lose, right? They both agree that the public good is some kind of thing that can, that can be used to overrule individual rights, that the public good is some kind of factor. And the conservatives say, that's an important factor, but it needs to be weighed a little bit less than the left who wants to weigh it like you're literally just fodder for whatever the public good they decide is, right? And and they've allowed the left to, to describe and define capitalism and individual rights as materialism, uh, which it's not. Um, and so there, there's no one left other than maybe a few libertarians doing a bad job at this, but there's no one left actually saying, here are the fundamental principles that made the United States different. And, and what they are is, is the supremacy of the individual over the collective. And that's what we should, that's what you need to be preserving. If you want to preserve something, that's the battle to fight. You can't win against the left if your argument is, yeah, the collective does win over the individual, but I have a different measuring system for, for that. It's like my scales are different. It's like, well, look, if you're going to concede that the collective wins, then it's going to, then the collective is going to win in the extreme in the event. And the left is more consistent about that. So they win. I, Clifton has to leave soon. So I just wanted to jump and say thank you so much for being with us today. Uh, both of you. And I know Mystery Chris is a mystery and you can't follow him online, even if you wanted to, but you can follow Clifton. So oh, can we plug your, can we plug your Twitter, Instagram and YouTube one more time? Yeah, sure. Uh, my Twitter, you can find me on Twitter at Clifton A. Duncan. Uh, my Instagram is Clifton Duncan online. And then my YouTube channel, uh, which it, it's nearing uh, 3000 subscribers, which is kind of cool. Uh, it's just my, my first and last name, nice. Clifton Duncan. And I got to say, you know, sort of uh, a sidebar, but it's really encouraging because the 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 feedback that I've been getting, I mean, it's it's right now it's purely Shakespeare videos. Of course, I hope to have a, a much more variety of content, but to to see the overwhelmingly positive response from people who you know they 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 want more of it and <clears throat> you know they, it, it just again we talked about this earlier but it, it belies this idea that the sort of unwashed masses the people who are outside this progressive bubble you know in entertainment whether in New York and LA who who you know who need to be dictated to it's like no the you know people are looking for stuff that they find engaging and interesting and, and it could be Shakespeare, it could be Marvel movies, but they, they want more of this. And that's very encouraging because I feel like, um, well, to quote Steve Rogers, you know, I think we could use a little old fashioned, uh, people, um, it's been really heartening to see that people are responding so positively just for me posting Shakespeare sonnets and speeches, uh, you know, and, 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 you know, engaging and being like, oh yeah, I remember, you know, reading this in high school or yeah, I remember this sonnet that, you know, could, maybe you could read this one or what about this poem from this poet? And, um, you know, I think people are just 
it's it's restored my faith in humanity in terms of uh, um, people are more sophisticated than just and savvier and they're more feeling um, than um, and perceptive than than they're often given credit for. So I think you know if you want to be a little bit more optimistic about that sort of thing, then then maybe that's something to be uh, encouraged about. That's I'd awesome. like to hear you read older books that don't have audio book versions. Um, I think your voice would be awesome for like, I'd rather read your voice, like hearing you read the Tocqueville is who I just mentioned, like would be awesome. Yes. I've got to, I'm, okay. giving you, I'm giving you a job, but you're going to reject. I would you like, would you like know. to hire him? <laughs> yeah, you, you can pay me to do hey, it. Dude, you know hey, I, mean? I have an empty can of Yerba Mate and I'll even get a full one for you. <laughs> I, uh, before you take off Clifton, I do, we're going to read super chats if you want to hang around, but feel no obligation to hang around. I just want to read the first two to you because you're mentioned in them. Pirate Tomsky said, thank you, sir. He says, you haven't heard sexy until you've heard Clifton sing happy birthday. <laughs> and, <laughs> and there's, tweet there's girl. Story about that. Is uh, there? Yeah, well, I was on I was on a Friday night tights, uh, you know, oh, with right. and, and all the guys. And uh, there were the, one of their viewers, um, his wife, I think uh, it was her birthday. I think her name was Melissa. And, and I sang uh, <laughs> happy birthday really quick. I was a little bit tipsy. I'd had some wine. And uh, and it was funny. There were all these chats that were just like, you know, one of my favorites. This, this, this guy goes, uh, he goes, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, Clifton's voice just it just made my panties moist. I'm not even wearing panties. <laughs> I saw there was a lot of excitement about people getting the vapors about you being on that show yeah, <laughs> with was, your uh, sexy pretty, voice. It was pretty funny. Um, Twee Girl also says, Twee Girl gives us a super chat and says, we need a Clifton and Mystery Chris buddy movie. Please and thank you. <laughs> hey, Mr. Chris has got to show his face, Mr. Chris. I'm going to put your pressure on him. Eventually. Everyone put well, your pressure what? on we could do, we, I, I could have like a, it could be a, a, a take on, I won't say Iron Man, but you know, he, he could just be the disembodied voice that, you know, I'm like, I'm like, hey, Chris. Jarvis. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it <could> work. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, or my conscience. Well, thank you both so much. I'm going to read through some of these. If you have to take I, off. Can I read? Uh, can I read something that happened? That's not. A, I just want to respond to something because yeah. I've seen it a couple times. Uh, someone says, "Carter, you're refusing Republicans and conservatives. They're different. Current Republicans are Democrats light. I'm not. I know that there are some conservatives who explicitly cite individual rights, but they're not most conservatives. Look at Lauren Southern's recent, who is a conservative, not a Republican, and I think she's representative. Look at her recent video." lambasting capitalism um they are conservatives are not look at go read william f buckley look at read some of the classic conservatives they do not cite individual rights um they are pragmatists who argue for conservation of things in in the way that they used to be was better and we need to do less of the crazy leftist thing but they don't argue for the most part they do not argue from a philosophically uh 180 degrees from the left. They don't argue against collectivism as such. Um, so also, I just want to read, Dion gave this one of my favorite rant quotes, so I'm going to read it. The smallest minority on earth is the individual. Those who deny individual rights cannot claim to be defenders of minorities. Uh, so, all right, yeah. I'll shut up and Carrie, you can read some super chats. Well, Christopher Gorey says, hi guys, the interview with um, Helena reminded me 
that when people ask what can we do and they're not in a position to boycott, exposure and sharing stories like Helena's are very important. Yeah. If you haven't seen it, I got to talk to uh, Helena on Twitter um, and you can find anyway, you can find that video on our channel. And it was all about her, her experience as a young person at the age of 15, getting pulled into the trans identity movement and uh, starting to transition to take hormones and then coming out of that and detransitioning and what her experience has been like. Um, let's see. Justin says, great to see you all together and congrats, Carrie, on the new space. Thank you. You guys are all invited to stay with me if you're in Texas. Uh, Colin Yerman says, just caught up on Carrie's show with Jeremy from The Quartering and y'all mentioned Daryl Davis. Everyone should watch his documentary, Accidental Courtesy. His interview with BLM was my girlfriend's woke breaking point. I haven't actually seen that. Okay, Clifton has to take off. Goodbye, <laughs> sir. Bye. Bye, Clifton. Thanks for joining, Clifton. Thank you. Appreciate it, Chris. And uh, good, good seeing you, Carrie and Carter. It's, uh, uh, it's like like uh, like old friends. I love it. It's great. So I much. come out to the coast sometime. Oh, I'd, I'd love to. All right, guys, take care. All right, take okay. care, man. Bye. Bye. Um, let's see. G-Man says, sounds like the mask is off, so to speak. That was about the mask story. And Revelator, this is from earlier about CNN saying we need a bigger stick to get people to take the vaccine. Revelator says he can take that stick and shove it. My folks were finally thinking about getting the vaccine and that pecker would torch that all to hell. Yep. Because people don't like that. People don't like... <laughs> Oh, people wow. I some see. people don't respond well to nagging and and bullying. Um, I'm well, that I, way. By the way, I'm not yeah. even rationally considering getting a vaccine because I'm just I know this about me right now. I'm just in response mode right now. I'm like, screw <laughs> you. When you stop talking about it, maybe I'll think about it. This is Carter and I are, it's funny in a Venn diagram of personality types, Carter and I have a lot of difference, but also where we overlap is very interesting. And that's a place we both overlap. I'm like, you're trying to force me to no F you. I'm in response mode too. In response mode too. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. Maybe if you quit being so aggressive about it. Right. Uh, <laughs> Penumbra syndicate. Thank you, sir. Says either way they lied the first time and mask work. Or they lie the second time and masks don't work. But either way, they don't value or like you. Yeah. Um, Final Miss Johnny second. Boy Crick draws. Can we? Can we? Yeah. You skipped over that one. Can we do it? During the Spanish flu, you wouldn't scold the person without a mask. You would run the other way. This has nothing to do with the virus. It's a government psyop to see how much tyranny people accept. Yeah. Finest City Cycling uh, says, hypothesis, this black vac vaccine propaganda is more about making SJWs and Wokies feel good about their policies than addressing the disparities. Yeah, I agree with that. It's narrative based. Um, right. Zach Adamson says, I'm not an anti-vaxxer, but I am a quality assurance analyst. Rushed projects usually have issues. Oh, you know what, Zach? I, I have to bring up something else now because you're a QA person. So I was an engineer for a long time and I did not actually, maybe at, at one point I worked at a company that cared about ISO standards, but ISO standards were something I always thought, thought about um, 
as like a manufacturing quality control thing. ISO 9000 was a thing in like the 80s or 90s or whenever. And it's the kind of thing that you imagine GE cares about. And I think actually I was working at a former GE place that might have cared about it. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I think about that, like that's how I think about ISO. Now, apparently ISO does other stuff. Um, but I just saw this was like a random email I got on like in a different account, not unsafe space, like for another business. And it said, there is now an ISO certification standard for diversity and inclusion. Wow. So it's, it's about, um, let's see, the standard includes guidance and methods. It is structured to present a set of principles that demonstrate ongoing commitment to valuing diversity and inclusion that should be fostered by governing bodies and leaders provide guidance on DNI roles and responsibilities, which includes a framework, outcomes, actions, and measures to foster development of an inclusive workplace. Um, and there's like, there's, I mean, it's ISO, so it's very verbose and exact and micromanaging about how you have to do this. But um, I'm just, <laughs> the fact that there's an ISO standard for diversity and inclusion blows my mind and uh, I don't have much to say about it other than it's clown world that we're living in. But I did want to bring it up because maybe you know more about it, Zach, if you're a quality assurance person. I don't know. That's amazing. Um, yeah. Thomas St. Thomas. Hello, sir. Who Thomas St. Thomas writes for Unsafe Space. His articles get shared on our Medium account. If you would like to read some of it, you can go to unsafespace.com. But Thomas St. Thomas was here earlier and he said, if, vac if vaccines are effective and widely available, why any mask mandates at all? Everyone has made their risk assessment and subsequent decisions. Well, because they, uh, well, we know the real reason, but I, I, they, they will say, well, we need herd immunity, which is a weird concept because there's not a magic number that is herd immunity. Um, and, and there, I think there is a knee in the curve, but they don't even know where that knee is exactly, uh, in, in different situations. So, uh, but, but yeah, they've but, made arguments that there's, there's, they need herd immunity. There's, uh, they, there's, um, variants and, and mutations of the virus, blah, blah, blah. But we all know it's because it's about compliance. So. And they're going to try to turn the, uh, people who have been vaccinated against those who haven't been vaccinated and certainly states will try to clamp down, lock down again, you know, in the right. winter. They're the reason you have to wear a mask. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Wait, where did Carrie go? She just left. I'll do the next one. Andrew Knapp. Yay. Listen to the Dark Horse, Dark Horse podcast with Geert Vanderbosch if you haven't already. Um, WLT says, bought groceries at HEB here in Texas this morning. Neither my wife nor myself had a mask. No one looked at it sideways. Half the store or maskless. That's cool because that's what Carrie said to do. She said to go to HEB as one of the places that you could get away with this. Yeah, um, I've been going to testing out the thing again, going to as many uh, stores I can in a day without mask, and it's still about fifty-fifty. You know, really? some uh, okay. yes, yeah, some places don't even have uh, signs that say you have to wear a mask anymore. Like I went to Office Depot, there's no there are no signs that everybody worked huh. there wearing a mask. But a lot of people in there didn't, including like some old people, like legitimately old people, like people in their 80s were in the store with no mask. I was like, oh, all right. Remind people you're in Texas, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. In California, I've been noticing every store still has signs. Everyone still uses masks. It's, 
Yeah. Um, the Gay Rascal says Fauci has an abysmal record since the AIDS crisis. I don't really know much about his prior jobs. Do you, Chris? I've only heard a little bit about it. I haven't really researched it, so I can't really comment on it. But yeah, I've heard some stuff about it. Yeah. Johnny Boy Quick Draw says, trust the government, right? Polio blankets, slavery, reservations, <laughs> Lusitania, yeah. Japanese internment, Gulf of Tonkin, WMD. Good luck with that. Mm -hmm. there, yeah. there was a um, government, I think it was a uh, congressional committee that put together some document in the early 90s, I think it came out in 94. I can't remember what the name was, but they had talked about for 50 years, the uh, Department of Defense had been doing secret testing on troops, doing all sorts of things without their yep. consent or knowledge. And it was amazing because this thing went all the way back to World War II. And that's not something a lot of people knew about. But here it is, Congress just putting out reports saying, yeah, we did this stuff. Yeah, I don't the polio blankets thing I thought was like, I think that happened prior to germ theory or something, didn't it? Like, I don't I don't think you can blame them for that necessarily. But um, you do see you do see this thing where like, we've talked about this before, but it's like the CIA does stuff <laughs> in some region. People talk about it. They get vilified as conspiracy theorists because that's the term that the CIA invented so they could get away with stuff and vilify people who are exposing what they're doing. Okay. So people say they're doing X, Y, Z. They get accused of being conspiracy theorists. No one pays attention. And then like 30 years, 40 years later, the documents become unsealed. And it's like, oh yeah, uh, they, they were they were doing that thing. Yeah. But they're not now. I'm sure that they're <laughs> not doing it now. Cointel Pro, Gulf of Tonkin, yeah. <laughs> and it happens over and over and over again. It's like, and there's, there's no reason to believe it stopped, none. <laughs> Uh, uh, I wanted number to. Syndicate. You want to do that? I, okay, go ahead. Actually, I was going to make a joke about the. It was the smallpox oh. blankets. Was um, my my fellow and I were talking once, and we were joking about. He was at an event with a lot of Californians, and they were here in Texas for an event, and they were all outside, but they were all wearing masks, and he wasn't, and nobody said anything to him. Um, I just saw Lutra in the chat said she's been inspired not to wear the mask and that most people won't confront. Good. And yeah, that's been my case, my, my experience as well. But anyway, nobody confronted him about it. But they one lady was sort of standing away from way away from him and talking, making a big point of standing far away from him with her mask on. And they were um, all white people. And so we were joking that if somebody had confronted him because he looks very um, native, that he should have just started lecturing them about, um, you know, I don't, I don't wear masks because I don't trust the white government and, you know, your, your people and smallpox blankets. <laughs> and <laughs> just, just totally play the SJW card because what, what they would probably be like, oh, I'm so sorry. You don't have to wear one. <laughs> like, oh, you're right. You're right. <laughs> I always want to like say to anybody who's like, tell me to wear a mask. Like, what are you offended by my black skin? Are you afraid of it? Huh? I'm going to shoot you. <laughs> <laughs> you have you should try that <laughs> i would just like to hear how it goes yeah. I, have different, I have different ones i'm trying uh, as i get the opportunity i'll tell you can i tell you one funny one real quick i know we're going way over but now that i've done my bathroom emergency i have i can okay so oh, that's what that <laughs> the, was okay yeah there's um most of the time like when i go in without the mask i go into places where i know you can go in 
and they're not going to have a problem with it. I saw somebody gave us a super chat and said he and his wife just went into an H-E-B in Texas, which is a grocery store without a mask and no one said anything. And I say, congratulations to you, sir. And for anyone in Texas, you should know the H-E-Bs, they, they don't enforce it. They've been this way the whole time. They're pretty, they're very lax about it. They have all the signs saying they require it, but they, nobody will tell you to wear it. Nobody, except, unless it's a customer who's being a jerk. But, um, but uh, anyway, most of the time I don't try and provoke scenes and I will, if there's a place that, that is, that I know is going to be a mask hole about it, I just don't go there anymore. With one exception, there's this very pretentious coffee shop that's on the border of Austin. And I, I have to drive past it on part uh, every Saturday. And it's, it's the only place to get a good coffee on this route I take. And so in the morning, and so, um, and they are crazy mask holes. They're crazy about it. Like to the point where my fiance was in there once and he had the mask on, he ordered his coffee. He put some um, creamer in it and then he took his mask down for a second to taste it and pull it back up. And in that second where he's clearly pulling it back up, the guy's on him like, sir, you need to put your mask back above your nose. Like it's just, they're, they're insane. <laughs> they're insane, right? So I like to go in there because I just like to, there's one guy there and we just have, this is so funny to me, but I go in and I wear the mask and I get my coffee and I usually have a hat on, I'll have a different kind of hat on and I'll have different kinds of masks so he doesn't recognize me and I'll have it all the way up where you can only see my eyes and I'll get my coffee drink. I think I told you about this mystery, Chris. I'll get my coffee drink and then it's pay for, I'll pay for it. I tip him. And then as soon as he hands me the coffee, I take the mask off. It's like in Scooby-Doo. And I'm like, ha ha. And he's like, it's you. And, he, <laughs> and now, it's like, I'm like, the first time, the first time I know the second time I did, I took it down and he was like, yeah, you put your mask. And I was like, your mask policy is stupid. And he's like, you're, you're banned. You're banned. And I was like, good luck. I'm going to wear a mask when I come in. And the next time I came in, I had a different kind of mask, a different hat. He gives, he hands me the coffee. I take the mask off and he goes, you're banned. <laughs> I was like, hey, I'm always nice to him. I'm like, hey, I tipped you, even though your mask policy is stupid. And then, <laughs> so I'm getting to the point where he's like, I think now he's going to start to recognize me, even though I'm wearing different hats and, and masks. So now I'm going to, the next time I go in, I'm going to wear a wig. <laughs> I just, I, I, I just like the grand reveal when it's like, ha ha. <laughs> anyway. Sorry. Can you put can you put a little mustache on underneath when you reveal the mask? Yes. <laughs> I think I should start I think I should start filming them because it's really funny. And and he's not like aggressive. He's just like like foiled again. <laughs> you know, play the Dukes of Hazard theme song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, thanks for letting me tell that story. It it makes my it it's makes me story. laugh. <laughs> um. Uh, do you want to do Penumbra Syndicate is next? Do you want to do that you, one? I don't know if you have. You it. do it. I don't have it in front of me. Let's see. Okay. Uh, Penumbra Syndicate says, "Do you think they tell us to quote trust the science because they don't understand applied research or advanced statistics because they don't understand?" <laughs> well, they definitely don't. They don't like statistics. That is absolutely true. Um. Because if, you know, if you say Chinese people are short, on average, they'll say, I know a tall Chinese person. So clear, clear, clearly they don't get statistics. Um, also, by the way, I've talked about this on a previous show, sidebar about stats and the illiteracy of stats. Uh, 
I went through with my daughter the other day the XKCD graph of the Earth's temperature and explained how like it, you know, it's this long graph that does this and then goes up at the end in a spike, and you think, oh my god, look, rah, rah, rah. and I explained to her like, yeah, they statistically smoothed all these things and over periods of like whatever it was, five hundred years or something ridiculous. So when you smooth, that's what it looks like. This thing here is just called variance. If you added the variance in there because you had the data, you would see the whole graph looks like this. Uh, but it's just lots of dishonesty. Uh, and by the way, whoever made that graph, they knew what they were doing. They did understand statistics. Um, De Alloy says, in Canada, Rocco Galati is suing the government for violating our constitutional rights. Also, Corona <laughs> Astuce, <laughs> Astuce, I don't know what that is, uh, lawyers pushing back internationally. Okay. Chris Scar says, I went to the free speech rally in San Francisco last year, and a person told me, we do not want to debate or have discourse with you. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's what they're <laughs> like. They don't want to talk to you. That's why right. Stephen Crowder's That's why you whole, can't argue this. Yeah. Stephen Crowder's thing about, I believe, you know, where he puts, he goes to college campuses and he has the table to sign that he has a statement of opinion and then says, change my mind. That's why that's so brilliant in a way, because he's, he's inviting them to do which, what they don't really want to, they don't want to have, they don't want to change your mind. But at the same time, it's a challenge. I think it's kind of brilliant because. It's a throwing down the gauntlet yeah. in some sort of. Uh, yeah intellectual way yeah um but this but that fact the re fact that they don't want it that's why i think i this is why i think actually there's not reconciliation that's going to happen in america because reconciliation requires two things one you need to both be trying to find an objective truth and two you need to be willing to talk uh you also need should be using reason but like if you're not willing to talk and one side is postmodern, there's no reconciliation possible. It's just scream at you until you obey, and you know, that's the end. Johnny Boy Quick Draw says, progressives are barbarians at the gate. I oppose them, but respect their conviction. <laughs> Would you say that about uh, an Austrian painter who ended up with, as a politician? I oppose him, but I respect <laughs> his conviction. Conservatives are Brutus with a knife, saying what you want to hear. To quote Cicero, the traitor is the plague. I don't think conservatives are, I don't think conservatives are traitorous in the sense that, I don't think it's like they know what they're doing. I think conservatives, most conservatives just have a sense that things have been going in the wrong direction. They know it's wrong and they kind of want to fight it, but they haven't articulated the principles that they're fighting for in stark contrast to the principles that the left is fighting for. And so it makes them weak and and ineffectual. Raging Raptor says, by virtue, compromise is a sum lost concept when you are in a conservative position against progressives. Yeah, right. Um, I'll throw out the other Ayn Rand, Ayn Rand quote that's one of my favorite that I do all the time. And any compromise between food and poison, only death can win, right? That's what the conservatives have been doing, right? They're like, hey, uh, they, they can't really identify food clearly. And the left is like, we want a lot of poison. And they're like, how about a little poison? I'm like, okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Eventually we're dead. Um, Andrew Knapp says, if you aren't free to assert your freedom, then you aren't free at all. Right. If you're not yes. free to, to disobey, you're not free. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. I think I got caught up. 
I think, um, yeah, I wasn't sure if you got all the, yeah, I think you're caught up. Uh, there's um, one from a while ago, I don't know if we read, which was con men don't look like con men. That's how they're successful from Zach Adamson. That was back when we were talking about Obama. Um, and that's oh, true, yeah. that successful con men don't look like con men, so. Of course, of course. <laughs> right. You know what's right. so funny, I don't wanna get, I know we have to wrap up, but the interesting thing to me, and maybe we can talk about this sometime in the future, is, is how is how Hillary Clinton didn't, didn't, I don't think, she didn't exude that charisma and stuff that Obama did. So even though she was just as polished, like they were both just as polished politicians and, but there's something about him that still, like I said, evokes that positive feeling in me. And I never, I didn't have that for her. I wasn't out of the cult during the election, but I didn't, I couldn't bring myself to vote for her. I think part of her was tone. Her tone was nastier. This is why mm -hmm. Trump used, Trump sometimes used simple language that people thought was not very, um, Sophisticated. They didn't like it because it was it wasn't specific and it wasn't intellectual, but it often carried with it some visceral truth that people felt. So when he said she's nasty, or, for, or maybe he said that about Elizabeth Warren, like that's reflective of the visceral truth that people feel about that person. Like Hillary felt nasty. Also, unlike Obama, Obama was an unknown. So he came onto the national stage fully formed as the like uh very affected careful these are the things i believe and blah 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 right saying his doing his con man act we've been watching hillary because she's been in in around power for decades no one trusts hillary clinton before they already had she had a negative brand image with a lot of the population to start with and so that mixed with her kind of condescending tone. Obama was sometimes condescending, but not not often. He was usually kind of fatherly in his his tone, and she was kind of condescending. And it and it and it really it merged well with this preconceived notion of her being an untrustworthy jerk. Um, mm -hmm. and like I grew up in the '90s. I spent a lot of the '90s trying to, with like, paying attention to the Clinton body count and wondering what the hell is going on at the Rose Law Firm. Like, a lot of people paid attention to that stuff. So, she doesn't. She didn't. She didn't start with an untarnished reputation. Well, for people who didn't pay attention to that, though, like myself and people who were deeply ensconced in the cathedral and in the the Matrix, so to so to speak, she still didn't. You still didn't like. Her. No, I didn't like her, and I and I couldn't explain why. And I kept flip flopping between, okay, I'm going to vote for her, or I'm going to vote for I can't even remember her name now, Jill Stein, the Green Party. Mm. And I kept going back and forth, and ultimately, I decided Jill Stein. But I, I, as you know, I didn't get my absentee ballot. I had just moved to Texas. I didn't get my ballot in on time. But the, I that's how little I cared about it in the end because I couldn't decide between them. And I there was something about her. I couldn't vote for her. And can I, I didn't can I try study and any of that. articulate one yeah. more thing I just realized? Yeah. Entitlement. She yes. felt to me like she felt entitled to win. Yes. She was And Obama arrogant. did not seem entitled to win. In fact, when he was interviewed about, hey, if you don't win, you know, because it's because you're black, blah, blah, blah. And he pushed back and said, actually, if I don't win, it will be because I didn't articulate my message, blah, blah, blah. I don't think it's because I'm black. Like he, he he did not have this kind of Hillary was like, of course, I'm going to win. I'm entitled to win. I deserve yeah. to win. Like you would be dumb to not vote for me. Uh, like that attitude was palpable.
And people it, hate that attitude. Yeah, it's it's the same attitude I get from Kamala in the debate with mm. um, the vice presidential debate. It's this arrogance, <laughs> right. this entitlement, and this just real snottiness. Like you said, unlikable. Um, right. And and even being in the cult, I couldn't vote for her because I could feel that mm. coming off of her. Yeah, she feels anyway. like when people say there's like there's an elite establishment. She certainly yeah. feels like it's part of it. <laughs> like, yeah. like, wow, I guess she would be the poster child for the elite establishment, right? Um, and someone in chat reminded, like, yeah, she said things like, why does it matter? Just kind of really callous things. Like when she was questioned, she didn't say like about Benghazi. It wasn't like, I understand the questions. Look, this is, you know, I understand why people are concerned, but this is what I did. And this is why we took these actions and we did the best we could and blah, blah, blah. She was, she was like, incensed that you would dare even question her. Why does it matter now? Blah, blah, blah. It's like, all right, well, that's not a likable trait. No, and you're not a likable person. Right. And I remember once when uh, she's being interviewed, someone asked her, why should people vote for you? And she goes, because I'm a woman. <laughs> that was oh, her right. whole answer. Right. That, <laughs> that also drove me crazy. I was, I was starting to become disillusioned with the social justice, the identity politics part of my cult, which is what it's all based on, but it took me a while to see that. And I was starting, I was like, but I don't want, you should never, I would never say, like, why would you, why would you want to be, because I'm a woman, you shouldn't be denied something or given something because of your sex. That's ridiculous. And, and some of my friends. I don't recall Obama saying vote for me because I would be the first African-American president. No, he didn't say that, that he he did not say that. And I thought that was so low and, you know, Kamala Harris has made those same appeals. Biden has made those same appeals about Kamala. And it just, I, I, I can't stand that. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Today's been I have fun. lady bits. Vote for me. I have okay. lady bits. Yeah. And when somebody said during the election, they said, if you if, basically, if you're a woman who doesn't vote for Hillary, you're betraying your uh, sex or something that made me so angry too. Oh yeah. I was like, yeah. Don't again, although, don't you tell me what I have to do. <laughs> although Biden got away with it when he told blacks they weren't black if they were if they voted for Trump, right? Yeah. He got away with it. He got away with a lot, you know. I, I haven't even bothered to confront my family members that are like obsessed with Trump supposed to being racist with all the quotes of Biden saying racist things. I mean, I don't yeah. even bother. It's not going to matter to them. Yeah. Uh, All right. Well, okay. look, th- this was fun, but it's an it's what two and a half hours. We should yeah, probably wrap it up. I think so. Can, can I uh, just say one thing? As uh, some good Please. news uh, yeah. here in Texas, I think it was last week the Texas Senate passed the ban on critical race theory on teaching it. So I'm um, obviously they can't. They're not. It's not saying you can't teach. It's just saying that they're not. People won't have to be forced to teach it. And so I think there's a similar bill going on in the, in the House, but I started paying a lot more attention to state thing. And I think that's what a lot of us should do, you know, yes. after, you know, being so obsessed with federal stuff going on, should really start concentrating more on local stuff. So I'm going to start calling and, you know, lobbying, you know, senators, house people to do uh, some good things for us. Yeah. I mean, if everyone just stopped focusing on the feds and picked a state like Texas yeah. and focused on saving a state, there would be it's, it would be the Noah's Ark of America, and it would be yeah. like, all right, well, this is going to survive. We have a spot, right? Yeah. So, yeah, and I think they're considering like banning uh, vaccine passports here in Texas too. That's 
they're currently debating that. So I'm definitely going to call and support that because I know some other states, obviously Florida, but I think Arkansas did it recently. I think so. It's good. Yeah. Right on. I love your biblical well, reference there. The Noah's Ark. Texas is the Noah's Ark. So it could be. It's it got to be. be built, and you got to get the animals on it. But you know, it could be. Could be. Mystery, Mystery Chris and I are working on it. Okay. <laughs> right. You guys work on that. I'll be, I'll be looking a forlorn from the sides in California <laughs> with longing. <laughs> All right. Um, thanks, everyone. Thanks for joining for us. For watching. Uh, don't forget to go to unsafespace.com and uh, pay attention to what we're doing there. Follow us there because uh, we're always there even if we get banned from YouTube. So, and also, if you liked the show, go press thumbs up. If you didn't like the show, go press thumbs down. But uh, don't just be silent. So, thanks, everyone. Have a good weekend. Bye. Thanks for watching. If you're new to the channel, we have a deep content library that includes interviews with everyone from Mike Cernovich to Megan Murphy. So go check it out. If you'd like to see more, please consider supporting the show by visiting unsafespace.com slash donate. You can find us on all the major social media platforms, at least for now. And you can find a community of like-minded individuals on our Unsafe Space chat on Telegram. See you there. Warning, this is an unsafe space. Dangerous ideas have been detected. The content of this production has not been authorized by the cathedral. Pay no attention to it. The following co-conspirators have been unpersoned and marked for cancellation. Please direct any appeals to our internal review board, at dev null. Please note that Sepaku. While encouraged, does not guarantee absolution. If you think about it, no one should be allowed to express opinions. But don't. Think about it, I mean. That's not your job. Thinking has been scientifically proven to be less efficient than compliance. Thank you for participating in our longitudinal study of new and exciting messenger RNA gene therapy techniques. Please make a note of any abnormal growths, loss of vision, difficulty breathing, or death. Computer voice Curtis, never mind, that last line is fake news. Please disregard it and return to your safe space immediately. There will be cake.